Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of The Keel Show. I am your host, Alex Keel, alongside me, the inside of the insiders, Tyler Keel. Hello, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by Second String Leather Company. New Beast Gear is out. Second String Leather Company crafted from the crease. We are also brought to you by MyBookie.ag, betting on all sports, winning and getting paid using the promo code 12OunceSports and join for free today because you are watching us here live on 12OunceSports on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Zingo TV, channel 761. Sign up for free today on Zingo TV using code 12Ounce. That is 1-2-O-Z-O-Z for our Canadian listeners. Get involved in the show today using hashtag TKS at The Keel Show on Twitter or Facebook. Get involved in the show. Get involved with the conversation. On today's program, we are going to be talking about big signings in the NHL, big news in regards to all sorts of hockey, big guests. We're going to be talking to some of some of the the higher ups in the in the hockey media industry, but we are going to be getting to all of that and more. But starting off the show on a high note, our first guest tonight on the show is the radio play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, former play-by-play of the Vancouver Giants of the Western Hockey League in Canada. He is none other than Brandon Bachelor, everyone. Woo! Hey, Brandon, how you doing, sir? Good, guys. How are you? Oh, we're doing, doing phenomenal. Well. Uh, Brendan, you know, it's been a crazy, crazy playoff for you here. You're broadcasting for the Canucks. You're broadcasting for other games as well during the bubble. But first, we got to talk about the big news today, the retirement of the great Mike Doc Emmerich, a big part of the game here, big longtime broadcaster, inspired a lot of us. Brendan, your take on arguably one of the most popular broadcasters of, of this generation. Yeah, he's he's had a pretty remarkable career, hasn't he? You know, if I can get to the end of, of my time calling hockey and say that I've called games for 47 years and done 22 Stanley Cup finals, then I would be very pleased with that. So, um, you know, Doc has had a, a tremendous impact on, on hockey broadcasting on both sides of the border. There's a lot of young broadcasters and old broadcasters and, and people at all levels of the game that look up to him. Uh, he's done an incredible amount for the sport and for the National Hockey League. And, um, you know, sad to see him go, but uh, happy for him that it, I, I assume it means he'll get to spend some more time with his family after 47 years of work well done. And of course, I mean, it's he, I mean, Alex, you were a little young for remember the NHL and Fox days, the glow puck days. Correct. But, you know, he did a lot with the Devils and now with NBC. He's one to, I mean, certainly, you know, inspired me in a lot of ways. And I wish we could have Thomas Biondo here for this one because he's always loved Doc Emmerich. Uh, but yourself, you were in a kind of a similar situation with Doc. Doc was calling games from his home outside of Detroit, outside, I believe, St. Clair Shores. Yep. And you, Brendan, were actually calling games in a studio. Now, I remember talking with Jack Michaels before the bubble, and he, I talked to him about calling games in a studio. He said, it's going to be a unique experience. What was your experience calling games in a bubble, even though it's just a couple prov- or one province over there in Edmonton? Yeah, it, it certainly is unique, and there are, are a lot of challenges with calling games off a monitor as opposed to being in the arena. You know, the, the obvious ones being things behind the play that you can't see. Um, you know, a player going to the dressing room with an injury, you're not going to have as good a view of that as if you were sitting high above the ice and you can see everything that's happening in the game. And anybody that's watched hockey knows that 
you know, as much as we get great television coverage on both sides of the border for the NHL, there are things you see when you're at a game watching as a fan that, you know, just don't translate to TV because the whole ice surface is never in the shot. So a fight starts behind the play or, you know, a team pulls their goaltender. Those are things that you see when you're there and you don't necessarily see when you're not. So it was a challenge, but it was a a unique experience. And, you know, as you alluded to, not only uh, did I get the opportunity to call the Canucks run uh, through to the second round, but also carried on after that and did the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final nationally in Canada on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So that was uh, a big career opportunity for me. And, um, you know, the more games we called from the studio and from the television environment, the more I got used to it. But at the same time, uh, I'm looking forward to a day, hopefully sooner rather than later, when we can be back in arenas with uh, full crowds watching the NHL the way we normally would. Yeah, and you definitely did have a lot of opportunity to call games from the uh, studio there, especially with a 24-team playoff format. Now, I'm going to have to ask you, Brendan, what were your initial thoughts about the the playoff format, and did you personally like it? Um, and would you like to see that something as something that we can move forward with with bringing Seattle into the league, filling out a full 32-team, uh, 16-per conference? Yeah. Uh, initially, when the playoff format was announced, I liked it because I thought it was, you know, making the best of a tough situation with the pandemic where you didn't have a completed season. You know, would it have been fair to say that the ninth-place team based on points percentage in either conference uh, isn't able to make the playoffs just because uh, the season ended when it did. No, it wouldn't have. And, you know, from a business perspective, it made sense for the NHL to get teams like Montreal and Chicago in, you know, tele- television ratings and radio ratings for a couple of the bigger markets in the league, even if those teams weren't necessarily deserving of the opportunity that they had based on the way they played throughout the regular season. So I like the format. And then after, you know, having a chance to watch and, and be a part of the play-in round, I, I loved it. And I do think that the NHL should consider expanding its playoff format. Now, whether you expand it to as many as 24 teams or whether maybe you add, you know, something akin to like a wild card round like you have in baseball where maybe in each conference the seventh-place team plays the tenth-place team and the eighth-place team plays the ninth place team and you get I guess four extra teams into the playoffs make it a 20 team playoff that is something that that makes sense to me but I do think that the NHL should seriously look at uh, expanding the playoff format just because as you allude to this is a league that's growing it's going to be up to 32 teams very shortly and you know what what drives success in terms of individual markets and teams and then the league overall is teams having success and having an opportunity to play playoff games. So from a business perspective, I think it makes sense to have more teams in the playoffs. And then just from a fan interest and entertainment perspective, because I thought that play in round was wildly entertaining. And, you know, we, we see a team like the Chicago Blackhawks, who, as I alluded to, probably didn't deserve to be there, find a way to knock off the Edmonton Oilers. So Um, you know, I think there's drama and entertainment to be found from expanding the playoff format. And I think it would be good for the league and the growth of the game overall as well. 
it, it's a real good point you make there because I was talking to I've had a few other guests on during the playoffs and they just kept saying it just felt by the end it felt so exhausting watching hockey every day three times a day <laughs> and I mean it, I mean for at first it was like oh my gosh so much hockey because then again we've been sitting on our butts for three or four months so it makes sense but you yourself Brendan I mean like you said you called uh, you know a great run for the Canucks a very unlikely run which we'll get to here in a second you called the Stanley Cup finals certainly a career highlight what was your favorite moment or moments I guess you could say from these playoffs behind the mic yeah it's tough there were so many good moments from you know overtime winners in both of the conference finals to uh you know send those teams to the Stanley Cup final um, to, you know, Steven Stamko scoring his goal in his lone appearance, uh, to, you know, Corey Perry scoring a big overtime winner to extend that series. And then I look back at the Canucks run and, uh, you know, as you allude to a little bit different calling off monitors, but this was my first chance to call NHL playoff games for the team that I grew up following. So, you know, Bo Horvat had a big overtime winner in the series against St. Louis. Chris Tanev scored a series clinching overtime winner to eliminate the Minnesota wild in the play in round. So I don't really know if I could pick one, but in terms of a career highlight, I'd probably have to just say the moment where you get to call a team winning the Stanley cup is something that anybody that aspires to be a broadcaster, um, you know, wants to be able to do one day. And so to, to be the guy that, that had the call of saying, you know, the Tampa Bay lightning have won the Stanley cup. That's something that, that, you know, not every broadcaster gets to experience in their career. It's possible it's not something I get to experience again in my career. Who knows what the future is going to hold? So um, that's a moment that I'll cherish in a call that uh, that will stay on the, the demo reel for the rest of my career, I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Now talking about, you know, in the bubble and all the play that went along with it in regard to the Canucks organization, um, players like Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, really came to play both scoring 18 points over the course of the playoffs. Um, other than those two individuals, who really stood out um, for the Canucks roster and really you know, bringing them to that uh, unfortunate Game 7 loss to the Golden Knights? Yeah, well, the goaltending was crucial to allow the Canucks to get to that point. And you know, you're right, Miller and Pettersson both had great offensive playoffs. Well, Horvat stepped up and scored a ton of goals. He was still leading the league in playoff goals after the Stanley Cup final had gotten underway. Um, and he scored some very timely ones as well. But, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a team that, that would not have had the success they had, would not have even got to Game 7 against the Vegas Golden Knights without goaltending. Of course, Jacob Markstrom was phenomenal. Uh, throughout most of the postseason, throughout the regular season as well. He very well could have been nominated for the Vezina Trophy. Obviously, things have changed now that we're into the offseason, and he's no longer a member of the Canucks organization, having signed with the Flames. So there are going to be some changes in the crease going forward. But Markstrom was tremendous. And then, you know, the one story that that really emerged as one of the more compelling ones of the entire playoffs, for my money, was Thatcher Demko, who had to come in in that series against Vegas when Markstrom went down with an injury and almost single-handedly willed the Canucks into the conference finals with his remarkable play to the point that, uh, you know, they were in a tied hockey game in the third period of game seven, despite being vastly outplayed throughout the final few games of that series. And I think Demko's play played a factor in the Canucks' willingness to allow Jacob Markstrom to leave in free agency because they, 
They feel like they've got a young goaltender that can carry them into the future. They obviously went and signed Braden Holtby as well, a former Vesna winner to try and complement Demko in the crease in what very well could be a shortened and compressed season next year, depending on you know when the league gets underway and, and how they choose to go about trying to play a shortened season or a full season or whatever they're going to be able to do. But, um, you know, the Canucks historically have not been a great defensive team over the last few years, and that has improved a lot, you know, most notably with the addition of Quinn Hughes uh, and his ability to help them transition the puck out of the defensive zone and play more offensively. But, you know, even with Hughes' addition, this is a team that, you know, you could probably call them an average defensive club at best. And had they not had remarkable goaltending, they would not have gone as, as far as they did. So, um, you know, they had great offense. They've got an elite young defenseman in Hughes. They've been able to complement him with uh, the addition of Nate Schmidt via trade from the Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, you hope, if you're a Canuck fan, that their blue line is improved going into next season. Uh, but without the goaltending, they wouldn't have had any shot of being a goal away from the conference finals as they were heading into the third period of game seven. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause I, I, I say this and I felt like the minority for the longest time, but even when Markstrom was down in Florida, he always looked like he had the potential to be a number one goaltender, a star goaltender in this league, but down in sunrise, he didn't have the best team in front of him. And for the first couple of years, since getting traded to Vancouver, it was kind of the same story. It kind of just started to click this year. He really stepped up. And a lot of people are looking at that contract over there in Calgary with question marks around it. That remains to be foreseen. But, you know, he played extremely well. But you do mention Thatcher Demko. And a guy that, for me, really surprised because I thought, yeah, this kid's talented. He's a Mike Richter Award winner, great in Boston College in his collegiate days. But I didn't know if he was able to transfer that to the NHL. It took him a while coming up through with Utica. But now he's going to be with Braden Holtby. Is that going to be a kind of like kind of ease, more of a 1A, 1B situation with Vancouver, where last year it seemed like Markstrom was the starter and Demko was the definitive number two? Do you see them kind of more playing a little bit more of a sharing, even though Holtby does have, you know, the longevity, the veteran status? Do you think that you know, Travis Green kind of looks at these two and say, all right, I can kind of balance them as a team like Dallas or Boston has done in the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I think it will be more balanced than what we saw uh, with Markstrom and Demko because, as I alluded to, Markstrom had a tremendous couple of seasons the last few years with Vancouver. Really has proven that he's an elite starting goaltender in the NHL, albeit a late-blooming one, as you allude to. Um, but, you know, Demko is going to be the guy long-term for them. They signed Braden Holtby to a two-year contract, but he's also a player that they will likely expose in the Seattle expansion draft next offseason. So it's entirely possible that Braden Holtby's stay in Vancouver is just one year if the Kraken do elect to choose him from Vancouver in the expansion draft, because that was a big part of the conversation around both Markstrom and Demko coming out of the playoffs is they were only going to be able to protect one of those goaltenders And was it going to be Markstrom that they were going to commit long-term to, or were they going to be willing to hand the reins over to Demko? And with bringing Braden Holtby in, you're kind of in the middle of that conversation where you're not going to make Demko the de facto number one guy right away, uh, but you still do want to commit to him long-term. And so I expect him to see some increased starts, uh, as I alluded to earlier as well, I think, the fact that it'll be a more compressed schedule we expect will mean that most teams will have to play their backup goaltender more than they would normally. 
Um, and, you know, Canucks general manager Jim Benning has made, made no bones about the fact that he feels with what will likely be a very busy season with uh, a lot of games and lots of back-to-back situations and three games in four nights, et cetera, that his team needed to have two goaltenders that they feel can win them games. And so that's the way they feel about Braden Holtby and Thatcher Demko. All of that said, Travis Green has been a guy that, you know, if it gets down to the nitty-gritty and they're pushing towards a playoff spot and they need to win games to secure their berth in the postseason, he's a guy that will start the goaltender he feels gives him the best chance on more nights than not uh, to win hockey games. So um, whether that means Demko or whether that means Holtby remains to be seen, but um, I guess that's my long-winded way of saying that I do expect it to be more of a tandem-based, uh, you know, starting situation in the Vancouver crease going forward. It made sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, just looking at the the trend of how things have been going in the past few years, it has been putting a premium on, you know, having two goalies that can share the crease. And, you know, it's not necessarily that you have a, you know, one starter. It's more of like a 1A, 1B kind of thing where you share the crease, especially with that, the very tight schedule that we're going to be looking at next year, especially with that um early uh, 2021 start potentially. Um, but you obviously have to make sure that you have a good uh, amount of personnel in front of the goaltenders to make sure that you're obviously scoring goals and make sure, make, given the, making their life a little bit easier, you know? Trying to. Trying to. Um, but you did mention Nate Schmidt earlier. Um, you know, what kind of impact do you think that he really brings to this team and what do you think that moving forward, bringing in players like Nate Schmidt can really bring to the organization as a whole? Yeah, so Schmidt essentially comes in as a replacement for Chris Tanev in the Canucks' top four. Uh, Tanev played a lot with Quinn Hughes this past season. He's been a a steady, reliable defensive defenseman for them for his entire career. He blocks a lot of shots. He kills penalties. uh, And he's been incredibly valuable for them in that role, uh, although he hasn't brought a lot of offense and he's been very injury-riddled. So Nate Schmidt comes in, and that's a completely different kind of defenseman. Uh, I would argue it's an upgrade, but you know it's going to change the complexion of the Canucks' blue line because where they had a, a shot-blocking, stay-at-home, solid defenseman in Chris Tanev, now they have a play-driving, uh, offensive you know, ability to transition the puck kind of defenseman in Nate Schmidt. And it seems like the Canucks want to trend more towards being that kind of team especially when you look at the young players they have, most notably Elias Patterson and then Quinn Hughes on the back end. And, you know, we've been able to see the impact that Hughes uh, was able to have in just his rookie season in helping the Canucks get out of their own zone, spend more time in the opposition's end, and create more offense from the defense. And, you know, in keeping with that, Nate Schmidt is another defenseman that can can drive play like that too. So uh, I think that acquisition is an upgrade for the Canucks back end, it's going to change the way they play because they are going to be more aggressive in transition and uh, likely more offensive as a result. And I would imagine that, you know, we could see the organization look to acquire players of a similar ilk going forward because that's the way Travis Green wants to play. And that does seem to be the way that teams that have success in the modern NHL play, you know, the days of, you know, a rugged, steady back end like what we would have seen with the New Jersey Devils in the 90s with, uh, you know, Scott Stevens and Scott Niedermeyer and, and Ken Danico and that whole group and not to take anything away from 
some of those guys because certainly they had Hall of Fame careers. But we all know about the trap with the New Jersey Devils and how they shut things down defensively and made it really hard on their opponents to score and to have success. But that was also in an era where, you know, clutching and grabbing and hooking and holding were allowed. Now we see that in the modern NHL, there are so many more penalties called than there were 15 or 20 years ago. And skilled players that can play with speed and can be effective offensively, even if they're defensemen, uh, is the way that the NHL is going. So that, to me, feels like the model the Canucks are trying to build their team towards as they look to try and open a, a window of contention here in the next few years. And Nate Schmidt is a player that fits into that conversation. And the nice part, too, because there's so much stock, Brendan, nowadays put in the right-handed defenseman or a guy that can play on the right side. Nate Schmidt can do both, and that's really important. Despite being a left-handed shot, he does have the ability to play on the right side. So realistically, Travis Green could throw in this dynamic, speedy, fast, creative duo of Quinn Hughes and Nate Schmidt on on a power play if he wanted to, and that just sounds terrifying to me. But the Canucks, they, you saw the glimpses of a possible, you know, real solid playoff contender. But obviously, we've seen with so many different teams, and obviously Montreal and Chicago got lucky, so we don't even know if they'll be a playoff contender next season. What do the Canucks need to either add or simply just kind of change within the team to or, to order to become a team that stays atop that Pacific Division? Now, obviously, it was kind of wild last season. Arizona-led, Vancouver-led, Edmonton-led. Everyone except for Los Angeles, I think, had the lead at one point in that division. What do the Canucks need to do to be a solidified playoff contender? Yeah, well, and the interesting part about that conversation, too, is that you know we've talked about everything in the context of the Pacific Division up to this point, but there's a real chance that things are realigned and that there's a Canadian division uh, next season just because of potential issues crossing the border between the U.S. and Canada and trying to get a season done in the NHL having you know a pretty unique situation to any of the other major pro sports leagues in terms of the number of teams they have in Canada, um, you know, as opposed to say the blue Jays in major league baseball or something like that. Um, so we may have to start talking about the Canucks in comparison to Calgary and Edmonton who are already in the Pacific division, but then also to teams like Toronto and Montreal and Ottawa, at least in the shorter term. Um, but in terms of improving and, and trying to grow to be a contender, um, the biggest thing that I noticed, and you know, I try to compare the Canucks to a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who just won the Stanley Cup, because ideally, if you're the Canucks and you want to get to a point where you're contending for a Stanley Cup, you have to look at what has led other teams to be successful. And the biggest difference for me between the Canucks and a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning is depth that can drive play. And right now the Canucks, and it's a hot topic of conversation in Vancouver almost daily on sports radio, they've committed some big contracts to players who play further down their lineup and are not play-driving players. You know, Louis Erickson makes $6 million a year and has really taken a step back in terms of his offensive production, which is to say he doesn't really provide offensive production at all. Jay Beagle is a guy that they signed in pre-agency after he won the, the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals, and he's important for them in terms of playing a shutdown role and killing penalties and winning face-offs, but he's not a guy that's going to provide you offense. And, you know, at, on their third line in particular, Adam Gaudet is a young centerman that 
is still growing into the NHL and may even end up projecting as a winger at the NHL level. Jake Vertanen's a young player that's been relatively inconsistent, even though he scored 18 goals last year. And, you know, you compare sort of that bottom six forward mix, what you saw from a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had a third line that is as good as any I've seen in the NHL in recent years with a couple of guys that they added at the trade deadline in Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman and then Yanni Gord playing down the middle. And that line, you know, was incredibly effective for Tampa Bay. It was a big part of why they won the Stanley Cup. Of course, you're going to give credit to the big names like Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. But when you look at big names and elite talent, the Canucks have some of those pieces, right? They've got a young Elias Pettersson. They've got a young Quinn Hughes. Those are guys that are going to grow into some of the best players in the league if they're not already in that conversation. Where the Canucks need to improve the most is supplementing those guys with players around them that can help them drive play and create offense and win games. Because if you look at the underlying numbers right now, the Canucks are incredibly effective when their top players are on the ice, and then they're incredibly ineffective when their top players are off the ice. So, um, you know, as with any championship team, you'll see that they have elite stars and elite players, both up front and on the back end and certainly in goal. But in order to, you know, change the conversation around your team from a club that, you know, may not have even made the playoffs last year if the season had finished as normal and went on somewhat of a Cinderella run where they almost knocked off the Vegas Golden Knights and went to the conference final. If you want to change the narrative around your team from being sort of an underdog to being an elite contender, you have to have players throughout your lineup that can contribute, and that's what the Canucks don't have right now. You know, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. The the one thing I did I did appreciate about this entire, you know, different format of you know, doing the playoffs and obviously trying to do everything through the different rules and regulations and finally settling on the two hub cities in Toronto and in Edmonton finally with the with the Stanley Cup final being in Edmonton was the fact that we were able as eastern hockey viewers to watch more Western hockey teams, you know, when it comes to Vancouver and when it comes to Calgary and all those teams that, you know, you hear so much about their talent and then you don't want to stay up until uh, 10 PM to watch the game start. So you end up watching the, when you watch the highlights in the morning, um, but definitely 10 PM is puck drop, let alone about 2 (laughs) AM. Correct. But so being able to watch Western teams and then obviously being able to talk to um, wonderful individuals like yourself, Brendan, to just be able to be enlightened about the, the Vancouver organization hockey out West Uh, at batch hockey, Twitter and Instagram is the best way to um, watch or at least hear what this guy has to say during the off season. Otherwise make sure to check him out um, with Vancouver Canucks hockey next season. Brendan, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today, and we'll definitely be talking to you sooner rather than later about the Canucks and then what the NHL has to hold. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All, All right. right, you have a good one now. That was Brendan Batchelor, and, you know, that was a fun guy. And, you know, there there's a lot of guys that I like to bring on. That's why that's why I wore my Canucks shirt. This, I think it's the first time I wore my Vancouver Canucks shirt since I got this. This I got from my sister-in-law. Hey, she was if you don't want it, I'll take it. I love this shirt. I want a shirt from every team, Alex. We've gone over this. Listen, if you that every was if, team? if you didn't want that shark shirt you're gonna be wearing showing off later, I would definitely be wearing it because it's every a, team. Every team. Which would include Alex. I would want a Kansas City Scout shirt. I would want a 
uh, Colorado Rockies shirt. Why don't you just get a new dirt, New Jersey Devil shirt? I'd get that too. I don't, would I, I don't know if I would get the black and red or the red and green though. So you mean like every team? I mean like Hamilton Tigers, Montreal Wanderers, the Maroons, which is pretty much just a Mystery Alaska shirt. But I, I, I am hearing your wife coming saying oh boy. no to that. No, no, Kelly, Kelly, the Colorado Rockies, the old NHL team. She's asking why I didn't get a Rockies shirt while we were in Denver. It's the the old, old. Because they didn't have a Kadri shirt, remember? No. Okay, did I tell the story yet on the Kadri. show? Kadri. Did I tell the show the story how there was not an Azam Kadri shirt when we went to Denver? Oh, boy. This one does not because your sister thought, like, there's something Canadian. And I'm like, well, this is technically Canadian, this Vancouver Canuck shirt. Technically, Well, she is. was looking for, no, she was looking for something Canada, and she just saw that. And she's like, it, that's hockey, so. She well, goes, it is hockey, and it is Canadian, yes. I, I won't. I won't. I, I, Moral of the story, I don't think, at the very least, your wife is going to allow for your wardrobe to be f- chock full of hockey t-shirts. You should have been here last week, and her and Cooper just almost tore apart my grubby oh, shirts. Actually let me shop for you? Unless Kelly actually shops for me. I'm repeating just so they can hear. You are not getting a t-shirt or a jersey or whatever of every single team. Unless I'm allowed to. Oh. Unless Oh, so the rule is if I want if I want all the hockey shirts that I want, she gets to determine what stays out of the wardrobe I have. And get new stuff. We're gonna need a we're gonna need I need Dar- I need Darren Ferris. I need Mitch Marner's agent. Darren for this. Ferris. I need no. I need You don't need no we, absolutely yes. not. We'll have someone holding the camcorder. I need someone I well, I need an, I need an agent now. I need an agent for negotiations. You don't, you don't need an agent because here's another for, thing. for these negotiations. Here's another thing too. How are you going to fit all of those clothes into your wardrobe? I don't care about the dresser. Heck, I'll, if I get if she gets rid of all those grubby shirts, with the exception of a couple, like, well, the kiss shirts would stay. What I'm saying is, if you want all of those shirts, I mean every single one, you're going to need to get a four stall garage with no. It's half only of it's your only four- thirty. I only need Vancouver. I have Vancouver. I have. You said Leafs. everybody. You said Hamilton Sound Tigers. You said no, everybody. The sound t- that's Bridgeport Sound Whatever. Tigers. Whatever. I'm not going full AHL. I thought about it. You said everybody. But here's so. the thing. HL teams move around too much. But, Dad, I'm not whipped. This is me I mean, with negotiate. Dad, you want to be my agent? You want to be my agent for this argument of how I can't get rid of shirts up there? I'm keeping the Kiss shirts. Keeping the Ferris shirt, keeping my Terry Sawchuk leaf shirt. I see a Toronto Maple Leaf shirt that you need to retire. No, that Terry Sawchuk. That yeah, I'll retire. It'll go up on a frame somewhere. My Terry Sawchuk frame. Shirt. You're gonna frame an old T-shirt that has no <laughs> sentimental value. It is. That's my first Leaf shirt I ever got. That oh, was that was my, my birthday gift one year. That and the sweater, the Terry Sawchuk sweater that I still have. Okay, I still wear it sucker proudly. Thanks, Dad. Okay, let's get on to some actual news and stuff that really matters in life. Let's go on to some amateur hockey, specifically at the collegiate level. Speaking of Ferris State. Double A is returning hockey hockey returning to play. Yes. Is what they're gonna be talking about. Tyler, if you wanna you wanna talk about that real quick? I can take this one because I literally wrote an article for it yesterday for the hockey writers. Yes, I wrote again, guys. I had actual time yesterday. So there's been a lot of news with college hockey coming back and we talked about it a little bit with Harrison. He didn't want to reveal too much and I understand that, but now there's just so much getting revealed in the past week. So earlier this month, the big 10 announced their initiative to play. They are looking to play in November, starting next month, mid November, about two weeks before American Thanksgiving, which is awesome because once again, that's just, Hey, cause there's a lot of teams practicing right now and they're training. So they're getting in shape. So it's not like it's going to be like, no pun intended, a cold open. They're going to be ready to go come game one. Now, yes, there'll be no exhibition games, but at least they'll be in shape 
per se. So they'll be looking for they'll November. They'll be in shape already. November the 13th, they'll be playing 24 games against only conference opponents. Now, here's the kicker, Alex. If you do the math, because you think there are six teams in the conference, how can they play 24 games against only those teams? Because there's only five others. Four? No, there's six. Yeah. You, you play four games each. But that'd be only 20 games. Where do you get the last four? They're adding Arizona State to the schedule. Just because Arizona State's an independent team, and here's the kicker. They don't have to travel down to Arizona State. They wouldn't be going down to Tempe. Arizona State, they would play all of their games in Big Ten arenas. Now, obviously, the schedule's not been put out yet, but the initiative is there. Yes, if you say, now, if you're complaining about the money for travel, Alex, this is Arizona State. This is a big-time Division One school. Now, hold on. This no. is not like a WCHA. I have a question. Answer. Where is Notre Dame in all of this? Notre Dame is in the Big Ten. They're in the Big Ten Conference. They are in the Big Ten when yes. it comes to hockey? Yes. Okay. So, and they've dominated. Wait, who's the so who's in the Big Ten total? So, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and now they're adding Arizona State as an honorary member this year. Now, this is big because if it works, I'm not sure, but if it works, this may be Arizona State's in. this Now, in theory, this may be their end to go into a conference. Now, this could be just a ploy for them to just get games on the schedule because... Why don't you have a team like Western play? Because Western is in the NCHC. That's why. Which they announced last Friday that they'll be coming back, but they're doing it. Do I want to go to NCHC or Atlantic Hockey next? NCHC we'll, first. We're, we're already talking about it. We're doing NCHC. So they are taking the NH... They're taking a play out of the NHL's playbook here. They're going into a hub for the first part of their schedule. Now, this is an this is a right ten team conference. Yes, eight team conference. Eight team conference. Sorry, I read that right. Eight team conference. So, and but there were they're separating them into four divisions, four or four divisions, two teams, four division, four team divisions. Ah, two four team divisions. Yes. East and West. They're playing six games against each opponent against their divisional opponents. So that's eighteen games there, and they're playing two against the other four teams. So eight games. But what they're doing is they're they're separating the schedule into two parts. In December, three weeks, games during the week, three hard weeks in a hub down in Nebraska Omaha, Baxter Arena. That's where they'll be playing. Now, uh, whether the location is great or not, I'm not sure. They look like they have great facilities from what I've heard from other people from out of, from other teams. So that may, that's why they chose Nebraska Omaha. They're going to play all of their cross-divisional games there to limit travel and a I think they said two of the games against their own division. So they'll play 10 games each, each team will. And then after the holiday break, after the new year, they'll play within their division for the rest of the playoffs. And hopefully they end outside of the bubble, outside of the bubble in their own rinks, but less travel. Okay. So West, I mean, Western wants to travel all the way across to North Dakota and whatnot. So that's, it's a good way to set up their schedule. The Atlantic hockey conference, Atlantic hockey association, excuse me. They announced on Thursday that they'll be starting same time in the Big Ten, the weekend of the 13th and 14th next month. 24 conference games, but they'll be allowed to play 28 if they want to schedule games against, say, Hockey East or ECAC because that's not as much travel. But the Atlantic Hockey is still trying to limit travel as much as they can. They're being, they have 11 teams, but they're splitting two five-division teams, Air Force, Air Force Academy, out in Colorado. They are the outlier. They will play each team... I read this, wrote this yesterday. I should remember this. They'll be playing each team twice and four games, Alex, ready for this, against Long Island University. Long Island University, I don't, they're not going to be part of the conference stands, but they'll be involved in the conference schedule. Long Island and blah, and Air Force will play each other four times, and Long Island will play each team, the other, ten, the other 
10 teams, Alex, twice. So they'll get 24 games. Because remember, when Long Island was announced, there was a lot of skepticism on whether or not they'd be able to get a f- close to a full schedule. This ensures that. And So they're going to be similar to something along the lines of Sioux College. Oh, at, at for ACHA. At first, yes. At first, first where they, just they to- are just going to be playing games, getting exposure, playing against other teams. Okay. So, okay. So I can I mean, understand why and for that. So wait, so then does so is just to go back a quick second because I don't know if you mentioned it or not. Is that s- applying still to is that same kind of premise applying to Arizona State or is Arizona State actually like in conference like they count no, towards No, they it? they are it sounds like they're just playing games. They'll count I guess the way it works is conference schedule. They haven't released the definitive details yet, but they're involved in the conference schedule. Now, I have not gotten word if it's going to count for conference points or conference standings, but it may, I, I, when I read it, I, it was very, like I said, it's very vague. It was an announcement that they're going to have Arizona State in, how many games they're going to play. They didn't necessarily distinguish the fact if they're going to be playing count games that will actually count towards conference standings. But so it's great that Long Island's get there. The remaining three, Hockey East, WCHA, and ECAC, uh, they're, I'm hearing that they're all very close. At Hockey East, haven't heard a lot out of there, but they're, they, all I'm hearing is that they're close. That's what I'm hearing out of them. The WCHA, they sound like they're pretty close because according to an interview that was a uh, Bowling Green's head coach, Ty Eigner, with College Hockey News, said that the schedule with both non-conference and conference games will be released this coming Friday. That, Like I said, that was in an article with College Hockey News. ECAC says they're close and they're going to be adopting similar to Atlantic hockey and NCHC since they have bigger divisions. They're going to have a two division format. I expect the same with hockey East, even though hockey East, I think is a little bit tighter in terms of geography. So they won't have to worry about traveling too much, but uh, for me, it's just good. I think just the fact that they're making the strides to becoming, getting back to playing. Then Yale got smacked with COVID and I yeah. mean smacked. Let's put it this way, folks. There are 19 kids that are currently rostered with the Yale Bulldogs, which is a member of the ECAC. 18 of them, Alex, 18 tested positive. It was yeah. Thursday. It was announced there were six players, and then it quickly spread to 18 the next day. So, and I, and I, I was just like, man, this, and I talked to a couple people, and everyone's like, I'm like, are we, are we, is there going to be games? And they're like, well, they're going to try because you see it with, you know, NFL. There was a there was an afternoon Monday game today. I think it was, what was it, Kansas City, Tennessee? I forgot who played today. You're asking the wrong person, dude. There was a football game. I think it may be still going Turn on Turn that right into now. a t-shirt, Ty. I know. That's what You're I'm, asking the wrong dude. I'm asking the, I'm asking the wrong guy with, with N and N and G because like, you draw it out a little bit. But anyways. Wrong dude. So... What and I, I just and the same thing with Major League Baseball. The, Listen, Car- the Cardinals had to set out a week. They're I think they're going to try to find a way to push through it. Dude, it it'll be fine. Honestly, what? Yeah, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to keep saying it. Fine, fine. Four letter words starts with F. Listen, yes, coronavirus deadly. It can do a lot of damage. We've seen multiple colleges across the nation shut down due to COVID reasons. Yep. There have been a lot of athletic programs that have shut down due to COVID reasons. We at Davenport University have had that same problem as well. We have had to shut down all of athletics, you know, for two weeks because we had, you know, 
individuals from athletic teams that had roommates with who and whatever. They had to shut down. They had to quarantine. We did all that. That's just how things are right now. Yep. I have no doubt in my mind that Yale will bounce back from this. They'll probably be able to get a season going. They just won't be able to have as much practice time, which can be a disadvantage. Yes, but that's just how it's going to have to be. You know, if you want to be competitive in this, in this, uh, day and age, especially in collegiate sports, for one, you're just going to have to make sure that you have your entire program completely under lock, and, under lock and key, under control, which is very hard to do, especially with kids going to in-seat classes and stuff like that, which it's, you can try to do as much as you can, but it's not entirely possible. Well, that's, You just have to do your due diligence and do the best you can. Wash your hands, you know, put well, on the mask, all that kind of well, stuff. Well, that's the thing, because the team came out and said that they were, pra- not anyone specific, but someone from the team came out and said that they were practicing all the safety protocols, and we've and we've learned because I and that's mean, what hap- that's, that's just what happens. Sometimes you get the bad bug, and since if one person ha- has it, then you know two people can have it. Not a coffee. Four, five, whatever. You get the picture. Yeah, it's you can do everything you possibly can, but it's not a full safeguard. It's like birth control, Ty. You could take the pill. You could use whatever, whatever. It's not full hundred percent IUDs. But anyways, but I'm no. sure they'll do fine. Um, did you have anything else or did you, should I move on to, I think the we're sites? good. I know one of our teams has a schedule ready to go. One of our teams at Davenport does. I'm not going to say which one yet because well, we're not going to jinx that. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not, that's why I haven't, everyone's like, why haven't you posted it yet? Cause you want me to write PPD next to all those. I want, I don't want to, but I can shoot. That's what heck go to our fall football schedule at Davenport. Any of our fall sports postponed because they posted the schedules and yep. Even though all signs were saying we were not going to play, but. They did what are you going to do when you're the low on the totem pole of the athletic department? Who said that? Um, I didn't say that. Paul doesn't watch this show, right? Oh, huh, Paul? Yeah. I don't think he does. Does he? She's watched, he's watched like once or twice. Oh, which ones? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> Let's say what's the um, second one, the bad one? Should I do the sites real quick? Um, the the regional sites for Frozen for, for yeah. Force? Uh, not really, because the only well, thing... Did you report on it? I did not write a report on it. All right, well... I, I could have, but it was so late. Real quick, then, since well, we're talking about NCAA hockey... Just um, do the Frozen Four sites, because I just well, want to yes, compl- yes, yes. complain the fact yes, that Detroit did Yes, get it. yes, you're fine. I got it. So, the Frozen Four sites um, for 2022 through 2026 uh, National Men's Women's Tournaments were announced. Um, this was um, by the USCHO staff on October 14th of 2020. Last week. Yes. Uh, so the Frozen Four in 2022 will be played at TD Garden in Boston. T- 2023 is going to be at Emily Arena in Emily. Tampa, Florida. 2024 is going to be played at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. I go 2025 is going to be played at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Okay. 2026 will be played at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, I, home of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I just said okay, but by the way, I didn't say I didn't say I didn't say gay. I just want to make that clear. I said gay, and I I realized I said it. I'm like, oh, that probably sounded different. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You're good. Well, anyway. I, I understand that you're upset that Detroit didn't get it, but let's let's think how many times in the past 20 years has Detroit gotten the Frozen Four? 1986. Or 1987, excuse me. 1987. That was the only time that Detroit has no, gotten that was, the Frozen Four. That was the last time they've gotten the Frozen Four. They have not had it since. That's what well, and I was so excited because this was gonna be the year. I was gonna go for the hockey writers. 
Harrison Watt, our good buddy Harrison Watt, longtime viewer, eight-timers club here on the Kilo Show. He was going to be there as well. It was going to be a big event. It's going to be awesome for us. I was going to push Butchie out of the booth, and I was going to go in and call the games in Melrose myself. It may have been better. I don't know. But, I'm, I mean, it was going to be a big event. It was going to be great for, you know, the new arena, the Little Caesars Arena. And I'm like, okay, I get it, COVID. I'm like, well, I'm going to push Pittsburgh well, back. it's not new. It's newer now. Well, newer, you're right. But it's for the, the newest. But the fact that the reason why they didn't come back to Detroit is because the Joe was so deteriorated for the longest time. Now they have this beautiful state-of-the-art arena. It'd be a great event. Lots to do in Detroit nowadays. It's a lot safer, if you ask me personally, at least by the arena and all the hotels yeah. around the arena. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, this would be great. So I'm like, okay, fine. They'll skip. All right. They'll give Pittsburgh next season because that's where it's going to be at PPG Paints Arena next year in Pittsburgh for the Frozen Four, if they have it, of course, at this point. Right. I don't know. But. I'm like, okay, 2022. There was whispers of me, Boston Ari. I'm like, okay, fine. Then the next cycle, give it to Detroit. Give one to Detroit because they got gypped, Alex. It's not their fault that COVID happened. I, that's why I'm just like, why didn't they get this opportunity? They didn't get the chance to do it. And I'm just like, and I was kind of, I'm a little butthurt, Alex. Well, why are you butthurt? Because I was going to go. And I was excited to well, go when it came back. Tough next. nuts. I want 2027. To... Detroit will get it. You want to know why? Because they hear me complain enough. I'll complain for the next. They're five not going to ship gonna... everyone down. I'm going to complain why. for the next six years. You want to know why you can't just supplement Detroit into one of these? Well, these weren't determined yet, Alex. The decision was made last week. They could have said, hey, Vegas, can we push you back one year? Push. And because Tampa's had okay. all of those locations except for Vegas have already had it. But you don't think that they've been talking about this beforehand, though? I know, but they should have realized, hey, Detroit was going to be the team, and they missed their chance because of... Detroit was going to be the location, not the team type. What what do you mean? You said team. You said Detroit was going to be the 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 location. Excuse me, yes. And it was going to be... It's a great atmosphere. It's a great rink. It's sure. It's terrifying if you're at the top. I mean, shoot. You think it's terrifying sitting in the bleachers, Alex, in the top, in that top Yes, I It's even worse in the press box because you're literally hanging over. If you hocked a loogie, Alex, you'd hit the linesman. You're fine. I'm just saying but anyways, but no, so. they're not going to do that because copyright is a lot of money. That's true. And um, all of these, is, you know for darn certain that all of these sites, the, the organizations that are going to be running the tournament, the Frozen Four tournament, the reason why they had, they, yes, they may have announced it to make sure that it was, everything was set in stone, but everybody else, I'm pretty sure they got in all their copyrights and all the signage already taken care of far beforehand because that's how that works. Right. That's and how tournaments, you know, you look at any big sort of event, it's usually done at least two years out. I at mean, least two years out. So, but that's why I'm just like, meh. So that's, so that's why the 22 one was announced. Well, Boston. Last week in Boston. I, so well, that was made official. There was already pretty darn certain talk that it was going to be in Boston already. So that well, was almost, sure. that's why I thought 2023 would have been Detroit's year. But apparently we get to go back down to Florida. I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because like, we're just totally going to go to Florida. You're right, Alex. I, should, I mean, we I'll should go, st- I'm going to go to Florida everything for one else reason or another. We're going to go down to Florida. Well, hopefully. By Why don't tw- I just hopefully, go to Florida right now? Hope- <laughs> Alex, I don't want to see you in a hospital. You don't want if, to see me in a hospital? If this, thing ain't, if this thing isn't calmed down by 2022, Alex, you're right. We're not going down to Florida. Oh, I'll go down to you're Florida. You're right. Or 2023. If it's not solved by 2023, you're right. Just ship it up to Detroit. No, I'll go down to Florida. Take away from Tampa. Do what we did with Steve Eisenman. Just take him away from Tampa. Put him in Detroit. We'll take um, away the Frozen Four. So, moving on here. Let's skip the... We can skip the Canadian division. Do stuff. you want to stop it? Okay. Yeah, because we got, we got so much to get to. We got Dan Rosenhouse coming up here in about 10 minutes or a little over 10 minutes now. Let's do the injuries because... 
the the Stamkos one is such a it's a crazy story now because you you heard the did you see the post on what he said what happened on that goal? No. All right, we'll get to it. Let's quickly mention the first few injuries because those are, and that's why I said notable surgeries because there's a lot of surgeries going on right now with some big names. So take it away there, Alex. Okay, injuries. Tim Stutzel's got it. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you. I did that hard on you, didn't I? Tim St- Alex Tim at Stutzel. Stutzel. Strudel. Broken hand. He's going to be out eight, six to eight weeks, which doesn't really matter. Because especially since he won't play in Ottawa this year. But everyone's like, oh, my gosh. He-. Listen, guys, it's not a knee. It's not an ankle. It's awful. Uh, going off to Ooh, Boston. Speaking of COVID cases. Oh, my goodness. Shut up. I'm just saying Davenport's got another one. Yes, that's how the- <laughs> every day. Every day we are going to get an email, and I'm going to get two of them. It's it's just it's it's great. I get at least I That's get how to that know. works. I know. It just makes it makes me chuckle just a For little. For all I know, I have COVID. But you know what? I'm about to say I've said the same thing, but I don't say it out loud in public though. Just to, I don't want to scare people. If you want, we, sca- we can say it here because if you want to scare people in public, just cough. <laughs> oh, trust me. If I have a dry throat, I get nervous. <laughs> I start dry, I start dry. well yeah because you like you start like I'm sorry my, I gotta clear my throat They're like what you got you got the coat you got the vit you got the you got the Rona got the Rona all right big Rona so Tim Stewart's out six to eight weeks he'll be fine uh yes moving on to Baston home of the Bruins the Boston Bruins uh Marshawn McAvoy and Pastanak aka Pasta I write Pasta just to see if I actually say his name other than just Pasta uh well all they're all due to have surgery. Um, I think they may Pasternak, have, yeah. Pasternak is due to have surgery on a torn labrum in mid-March, uh, or that's when he's expected to be back. Um, Marshand is going to be having sports hernia surgery. He'll be, he's expected to get back by February, uh, mid-February. McAvoy uh, has an Anthroscopic Ar- arthro- arthroscopic knee surgery. Uh, okay, that's an R. Yep, not an N. Arthroscopic knee surgery. Check, them, check them glasses there, bud. Oh, shush. I just got a smudge on them. Yeah, like, um, he, should, he should be ready by training camp. So that's definitely a big hit for Boston, um, especially with a very condensed schedule. But I'm sure... I'm sure Bergeron, Bergeron sit in the back. See what it's like, boys? I played game six of the 13 finals with half a lung. No, Bergeron's probably asking, where's Sean Thornton? I need some help. I need some protection here. Hey, shoot. They're gonna Marshawn need- and Passer are done, so, I mean, you're going to have to basically go at least a month. Yeah, who is Bergeron going to play with? A month and a half. We'll, we'll have to find out. We'll see how training camp goes. Um, finally, the, the big one that you want to talk about, and obviously I guess I don't care enough to know about, um, is the Stamkos core muscle surgery. Um, he said, or it's said that he should be ready to go by the season start this upcoming year. Um, he underwent core muscle surgery on March 2nd um, and then suffered an overcompensation injury. So, Tyler, so you want to you wanna inform the people and what, me what happened? What hap- so I guess really what happened was in February, he was diagnosed with a sports hernia. Okay. Similar to what Brad Marsh had, but like a full, like just apparently his whole middle. Because here's the thing with always been Stamkos' problem. It's been lower body. It's never shoulders, never elbows. It's always knees, something below the belt. Sure. So the hernia was slightly above the belt. So, hey, maybe it's a little more. I don't know if it's any better. But then again, having a hernia is probably the worst thing you can have as an athlete of any sport, really. So when he went down, it's like, okay, how long is he going to be out? They said, okay, he'll be back 
maybe by the playoffs. And then, so now with the extended playoff, like, okay, it'll be fine. But during training, he had, and sometimes this happens when you're trying to get back into shape and you're rehabbing, and you're rehabbing so hard, you end up overcompensating your body, and that's when he got the second injury, which is why he didn't play for the first three rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs or the, or the round robin. So watching that, I was like, man, this is actually painful to watch because, you know, is it, and I remember we talked about it with a lot of, you I mean, with, with Justin Godfrey. I'm like, will we see Steven Samkos? Will we make an impact? Comes back, scores a goal. And then done. And then done. Because here it is, Alex. During that play, he heard a pop. When he was making that move to stride on the outside to go get the puck, he heard something pop. But he had so much adrenaline going, Alex. That's why I, when I, after he scored, I'm like, man, he must have been hurting before that because that kind of speed from Stamkos, that's, it wasn't the same kind of speed we saw from before all of his injuries, but that kind of get up, it looked like that was Stamkos at his normal form. But then you find out, like, it, when you get a chance to rush the puck up the side, you're well, not. What the, happened? He scored. But, he, no, but that's where, he, so he felt a pop around his hip area, and that's where they had to get core surgery again because something just went pop down around the lower abdomen, around the hip flexor area. And that is why he did not play the rest of the series. Now, yes, he did party with the guys or whatever because you can do some stuff while you're, but you can't play hockey at a high level without your. It doesn't take a whole lot to drink beer, boys. Does not take a whole lot to drink beer. I've played with awful hips, and I can tell you right now, I could barely do that at the senior A level, let alone the Stanley Cup finals in the NHL, Alex. Sure. So the fact that no matter what, and he still tried to play after, that's the thing. He still wanted to play, but he realized it would be a detch, it would be worse for the team for him to play. So that's why he didn't play in game four, five or six. And that's the kind of leadership, because Sam Coates could have played the card. I'm like, I'm the captain of this team. I want to be part of this. Play me. He could have done that. But he realized that it would, it would have been a detriment to the team, and it would not have helped the team. It would have hindered the team. Tyler Johnson in 2015. Ben he Bishop. Should have, he should have played. Ben Bishop. I think he... He should have played. Well, because I will say this. Dallas the was, only reason why I say that is because I wanted Dallas to win. Yeah, of course you did. Well, Dallas looked so defeated in that game anyway, so maybe you could have put him on the fourth line, play him two minutes, and call it good. But just the way everything was working out. I'd, I'd put him on for one shift. For one shift? That would be it. I, I Ash shift. You played in the game where the Lightning won the Cup. That's it. That's all you get. Well, I, was, well, I wanted him dressed, but he was already dressed, and, and you could tell by the way the guys reacted with him. Who cared? They didn't care if he played or not. He, they, the fact that he was there... They knew what he'd been I, through. All I'm saying is this. The one problem I have is why the heck was he in full gear? Every, no, that's For not, the photos? That's what everyone does. That's what every player does. Like I, So with all the Doc Emmerich tributes today, one of them was the 08 Cup Final when Chris Osgood made the save on Crosby at the end, pushed the puck off for the side as the buzzer expired. You see like guys like Kyle Quincy and John. Well, Erickson. I don't know if Erickson was playing in the lineup that night, but like Jimmy Jimmy Howard didn't have his chest protector on. He had, but he had like his leg pads on and everything. Like those guys all came out in pads, and I guarantee that's all because they saw Peter Forsberg in two thousand one after he blew out his spleen. He just came out in his sweater and it looked really awkward. So they're like, "Hey, let's just dress up. Let's all just put our gear on, whatever, and stuff like that. We'll call it good." I mean, Stamkos came in base a street clothes and a sweater for the acceptance of the. Prince of Wales trophy. That's different. That's no one cares about that. You're not supposed to touch the thing, anyways. Uh, yet they did. No, Dallas did. No, I don't. Tampa did. Did they? Yes. Dallas didn't. You got it mixed up, son. Maybe Steve Eisman has that thing where he's just like the Steve Eisman concept, where he's like, "Oh, I got it," and grab because that's the one thing too. Because 
when Steve Eisen picked up in 95, everyone's like, oh my gosh, he can never touch it because he touched it then. But then 97, 98, and the 2002, he's like, oh, we got this thing. Look at this guy. It's cool. Yeah. But like, so the, I will say this, the touching of the conference trophy is interesting because, I mean, it's kind of, it is odd. Obviously, it doesn't matter. Do you want a quick tell before we go to break? A quick story from the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson, about Doc Emmerich. Sure, we'll go with that, and then we'll take it to commercial. Uh, nope, it's a very long thread. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. See, this is why you're not allowed to go well, on Twitter. While I was. We're on the I show. was. Well, it was about you Doc just be going. It was. You want to see something? Wait. Never mind. Up. Oh. oh, by the way, here's a funny meme of Shaquille O'Neal that's been like three months old. It's. Or, or, you see this? Or, you see this? Yes. What about Tyler. Z- what about Zdeno Char getting? <laughs> getting shot. Oh my god! <laughs> still so, still thinking about that. That makes me laugh. Today, Ochara going down like he was shot. Well, he was literally shot, but yeah, no, he wasn't literally shot. He was shot with a puck. There you go. It's the same sort of difference. Literally, you mean metaphorically? He was literally shot with a puck. Oh my goodness! He doesn't need to be shot with anything else. He just needs. To be okay, shot with fine. <laughs> After commercial, we're going to be talking to San Jose Sharks radio play-by-play. Dan Rusinowski? Rusinowski. Rusinowski. Boy, you can't read today, can you? Uh, apparently not. We'll be back after this. And we are back here on the Keel Show on 12 Ounce Sports, brought to you by mybookie.ag and none other than second string leather company crafted from the crease. Crafted from the crease. Yes, that, that's what I just said. Well, I'm just making sure. Hashtag crafted from the crease. Yes. At the Keel Show, hashtag TKS to get involved in the conversation. Get involved with the show. We are now joined by none other than the radio play-by-play broadcaster and the only one in the history of the San Jose Sharks organization. He has called well over 2,000 games. He has been with the team since day one. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the voice of the San Jose Sharks, none other than Dan Rusinowski. Hey, Dan, how we doing? Fantastic. Just a beautiful day here in Northern California. Wish it was hockey season, but it isn't. And uh, we're hoping that that's going to get resolved sooner than later. Yeah, that's a good point because, Dan, you're still out there in California. And I guess just for the listeners and viewers, because I've reported it quite often on the news about everything going on in California, how has the atmosphere been there after, you know, with all the wildfires going on around there? Because that's something that's pretty crazy and something we don't experience out here in the Midwest. Well, no, we have a few things out here weather-wise that you don't have to deal with, but you guys have hurricanes and you have ice storms and we don't have those. So, um, no doubt that, that that there are differences in different parts of the country, but it has been a very huge concern, especially in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which really isn't all that far from San Jose. We've noticed a, a change in air quality a few times, but uh, kudos to people at Cal Fire that are fighting this because they're doing an, a, an amazing job. The other concerning area is uh, wine country, which is about an hour and 40 minutes from San Jose. So mm-hmm. uh, we've had a number of winery buildings that have been actually destroyed and things that have sort of been tinderboxes waiting to blow up. So th- these are things that obviously enter into the picture here with, with the, uh, the way that the forest is being managed. And, uh, but that'll, that's going to yield us into forestry issues, not hockey ones. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Infrastructure, business, you know, wildlife, all of that being affected by all of the stuff that is going on out there for you guys. But Getting you know to hockey and everything as as a play by play broadcaster member of the media, 
Um, the news of Doc Emmerich deciding to officially retire from his uh, position with NBC and calling games, obviously I'm sure that he's not going to just leave hockey altogether. Um, but Dan, what was, what's your whole perception of, you know, Doc as a career, um, with him deciding to, to, to put down the microphone, if you will, after I believe 47 years of calling games, what, what's your whole take on, you know, Doc and, you know, any experiences you may have possibly had with him? Well, he's a friend and he's a mentor. He's, he's that way with everybody that he meets in, in the game of hockey. And he's a special human being. He's somebody that is kind, generous with his time. I'm always willing to give advice or just a pat on the back, but uh, also to be there for you. And that's the kind of a guy that he is. And as a broadcaster, he's a quintessential American hockey voice on television. There's no doubt about that. I think that uh, his uh, intellectual use of vocabulary, the way that he composes a story, the way that he listens to people to find out new information, and the way that, uh, that he brings his enthusiasm and love for the game are all things that come to mind for me. And I know that uh, that he's been great to me over the course of these years and is somebody that I really, really respect. And, you know, it's, it is kind of a, it's a, almost a shame, you know, to see him because he, he was able to call his last game. I think I saw the stat today. Blake Coleman would be the last guy that ever Doc Emmerich ever called a goal for. So there's a little trivia for you there, Alex and Dan. But if you're just joining us here on TKS, we actually talked with Brendan Batchelor of the Vancouver Canucks star off the show. And even, and Dan, that was kind of a, why I pertain to it because even folks in Canada that don't get the American television, they even know the impact Doc Emmerich had. So it's obviously a very touching tribute across the league. But yourself, Dan, you know, the Sharks haven't played since early March. Obviously, they didn't qualify for the playoffs. And, you know, this is around the time the season will be starting under normal circumstances, whatever normal is nowadays. But what, I mean, I mean, I've, I've followed the Sharks Twitter, so I get to see, you know, you on there talking about classic games, but what have you been up to yourself, you know, trying to stay active for the folks at home that may not know exactly what the Sharks are doing during these, these trying times? Well, what you referenced is, is certainly something that's kept me pretty busy. I've put together and produced over a hundred classic games over the course of the summer, and that continues several times a week. And in fact, this week, with the departure of Joe Thornton to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm got a kind of a Joe Thornton theme that I'm running. Some of his uh, classic games that he played in the Sharks uniform. We've already run a few of those, including one in which he scored a hat trick against Boston a couple of years ago, which was so emotional for him. But uh, I've got a couple of other ones that, that, that we're going to throw out there this week and uh, programming that and experimenting with with all of that, with, with the new streaming world that, uh, that broadcast has gotten to. And uh, also I'm producing a draft show that we're, we're putting together. Uh, Nick Nolenberger, who does the play-by-play for the Barracuda and the AHL, our top affiliate, and I are, have talked to some of the people, and we're, we're going to put together a little preview of the guys that were drafted. So those are a couple of little things that, that have been going on, but it has not been a normal summer, to say the least. Normally, this time of the year, I might uh, be involved with an IndyCar race or two that comes out west, but they canceled those races, so uh, uh, they're not coming out this year. And, uh, you know, occasionally I've had the chance to call a couple of San Jose earthquake soccer games, too, believe it or not. But uh, those are just uh, sidelights. The main focus, of course, is the National Hockey League and the San Jose Sharks, which is what I do every day. Right. And, you know, talking about Joe Thornton, as two people that, you know, I'm not so much, but Tyler is more of a Leafs fan. Obviously, he has his own opinions on it. Um, But definitely Jumbo Joe definitely had a lot 
of impact and a lot of influence when it comes to the history of the San Jose Sharks organization uh, when he first came there and his entire career um, playing for San Jose. What are some of the favorite moments that you can recall of Joe Thornton in a San Jose Sharks uniform? There are too many to count. Uh, he's uh, a, a really a seminal figure in the history of the San Jose Sharks. Transformed the organization on the day that he was acquired. In fact, the story that I always like to tell is the day he was acquired was very interesting because the Sharks had low, you know, lost 10 games in a row and uh, were in Dallas. It was the end of November in 2005. And uh, we were in the press room, as we normally are, having a little bit of uh, a bite to eat before going up to the booth in the afternoon. And in there, we were sitting down, and it was a little bit unusual that day because there were two players that were eating in the press room. And obviously, uh, those players, Nico Dimitrakos and Jim Fahey, were guys that were in and out of the lineup. And if they're eating at 5 o'clock, they're not playing. There's just no doubt that they're out of the lineup. And so it wasn't really unusual that they uh, that they might not be playing. But uh, it was maybe a little bit odd that they were in the press room eating, which some guys would do on occasion. But usually these guys go through their game day routines and, and definitely don't uh, change them up. So they'd normally be eating about 1 o'clock in the afternoon getting a nap and then coming to the rink as if they were playing. But these guys were actually having a little bit of a bite to eat and having a coffee or whatever, sitting there chatting. So we said hello to them. We went up to the booth and warm-up went as normally it would. Guys went through warm-ups. Nothing seemed to be unusual with the lineups. And then they come out onto the ice for the start of the game. And Ron Wilson, the head coach of the Sharks, calls the officials over. All the officials are over and Ron is holding up the lineup sheet. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if you make a mistake with the lineup sheet and it's incorrect, you could get a player, you could get a penalty for using an ineligible player that's not on that list. And I've seen that happen. It happened one other time in Sharks history. And it's happened several times where, you know, you're jotting down a number and you write, you know, let's say this happened in right after the trade deadline and we, you know, somebody was wearing number 12, you write 12 and you write Patrick Marlowe right away. Well, Patrick Marlowe was just traded last week. So, you know, you, you, the coach might just make an honest mistake. So they look over the the lineup card to make sure that it was okay. And I was commenting on this as we were watching this unfold. Meanwhile, we get the sheet for the lineup as to what the starting lineups were from the media relations department. Nothing looked unusual. And then they dropped the puck. They dropped the puck and immediately the Sharks have a line change. Immediately. And I hear myself calling the play-by-play, and I hear my own voice say, Fahey passes the puck to Dimitrakos. Now, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, I just saw those guys in the press room at 5.30. What the hell are they doing on the ice? Something's wrong. So then we look out, because the, the trade had happened just before face-off. And so... We're counting the bench, and we say that there's one player missing. So they only have 17 guys dressed for the game. So now we know something else is going on. Did somebody have a bout of food poisoning? Did something else occur? And then we said, well, who's missing? Well, Wayne Primo's not there. Well, Marco Sturm's not there. Oh, Brad gosh. Stewart's not there. So we said, fellas, there's just been a very big trade made. because, And it just happened. And so we're trying to figure it all out. And I know that you guys think that the internet has been around forever, but it hasn't. 
Oh, back I, in 2000. Say, back, Alex, back, Alex, Alex has not been around enough. I remember the old three and a half floppy disks. I remember those, Dan. Don't you worry. Well, well there were no, there weren't too many floppy disks in this case either. But it was oh, right. just sort of starting. It was starting to get uh, get ramped up where uh, the news services were more and more involved on the web, and so. I started scouring the internet while we were broadcasting the game to see if we could figure out what on earth happened because there was nothing coming out of the shark side. Uh, all the PR was downstairs in the locker room. Uh, there was all, there were all kinds of things going on. And as it turns out, they were all making phone calls to, uh, you know, arrange for these guys to travel to wherever they needed to be. Well, what happens after that? Well, we finally, I finally got, uh, the news that Joe Thornton was being traded to the Sharks. And this is something you have to be very careful about. As, as we all know now, if it happens on Twitter, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And the same thing is, is you know, you don't believe everything you read in a newspaper, but you have to trust your sources. So um, I noticed that a relatively reliable source was reporting that Joe Thornton had been acquired. I noted that it was not official, but that if that were true, it was the biggest trade in the history of the Sharks. And uh, then it was confirmed a few minutes later by someone from our team. And then we were able to fully report that it had occurred. And this is exactly what the details of the trade were. So it was uh, an amazing moment. And that's my first memory of Joe Thornton. The second thing, you know, his very first game, the team plays in Buffalo. And the first thing he does is he skates down the ice about 20 seconds into the first period. He hits the crossbar. So already he was creating excitement just seconds into his first shift as a member of the Sharks. And from then on, it was an Art Ross and a Hart Trophy and helping Jonathan Chichu have a 56-goal season. And so many unbelievable years, so many great memories, a lot of laughs. He's somebody that loves the game of hockey as much as he loves being alive. And I think that that's one of the reasons why his career has lasted as long as it has, along with... A, a total dedication to really um, working to be at his best at all times. He takes great care of himself. He's very diligent when it comes to his, his diet and his training and his habits. And he balances his family life. He's got, you know, he's got uh, kids and he's got a lovely wife and he's able to balance that part of his life with his work life. And he's just a great example to everybody. He's one of the greatest players I've ever seen play. And certainly right at the top when it comes to people that I've actually had on teams that I've worked with. And the, and the, it's funny cause I, I had the fortunate chance and I, I can say I've officially kind of sort of met a Toronto Maple Leaf cause I ran into him last year when you guys were in Detroit, I was working at the, the GLI tournament that was going on right before you guys. And, and there was right after I remember, the, I remember walking by some of the teams there. Yep. And you guys, it was right after the morning skate was when fair, I was there with Ferris and, Ferris and Michigan State were playing in their um, in their consolation game, and guys are walking out. So I said hi to like Eric Carlson and Martin Jones, whatever. And Joe Thornton walks by by himself, and you know some pros they like to be left alone, whatever. And I saw him, and you know we did that awkward kind of eye contact for a second, and I actually had to look up, which is a rarity for a guy like me. <laughs> but I look up, and there's Joe, and he's looking at me. I'm like, Hey, Joe, how's it going? Just like casual, like I've seen him like 20 times before. Never met this guy in my life, and he probably will never remember me. But I was like, the fact that he was like, hey, oh, I'm doing great, man. How about you? I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. Like, the fact that, you know, some pros will be like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Like, oh, leave me alone. But Joe, I mean, shoot, had he not had to go to the bus, probably would have sat there for 20 minutes because, well, he's a good St. Thomas boy there, Alex. We know oh, a yeah, well, 
Listed as London, Ontario, Canada on Wikipedia, but we know from a very reliable source that he's from St. Thomas, Ontario. Yes, a very oh, reliable he's, source. Oh, he's from St. Thomas, very proudly so. <laughs> yes, and it, we learned that the hard way. Do you, do you want to tell that story? Well, we learned that the hard way. Well, Tyler technically has had, I would say, with an asterisk, two interactions with Joe Thornton. I, myself, have only had one. The closest I've ever been to talking to him was heckling him um, through the glass at Joe Louis Arena when the Sharks were playing uh, the Detroit Red Wings uh, in an offensive zone face-off. <laughs> and it was Tyler, uh, our great aunt, and myself. And my great aunt's ma- married to... Uh, a Canadian from who, Saint Thomas. who is from St. Thomas and is very proud of Canadian born hockey players and specifically Joe Thornton and myself and my brother were, we were heckling him. We were giving him the business and we're, and all of a sudden I get a nice little tap. We'll, we'll, we'll call it a tap on the shoulder for the sake of and, the show. And we'll say, and our, our blessed great aunt, she says, do you know where he's from? And it's like, no, Joe Thornton is from St. Thomas, Ontario, just like your Uncle Cliff. Now, you have to show him respect. You do, you do not badmouth him, especially, especially Joe Thornton. You don't badmouth him. And that's him. when we learned that Joe Thornton is very highly regarded, and we respected him ever since. That's that sure. is very true. That is very true. Uh, well, all you got to do is watch him on the ice, the way that he plays. He's one of the most creative players that I've ever seen, and somebody that always makes people around him better. I think he's uh, just a special guy. And and I it's and I totally agree with you. That's why like there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, why would the Leafs sign you know such an old guy?" I mean, yeah, he's not as fast as he was when he was, by the way, the only Hart Trophy winner to ever play for two teams. Alex, remember that? Yep. But he's he's still creative. He's still one of the best passers I think ever in the league. But I guess the one bummer is the fact that he will not be playing this year, Alex, with Patty Marlowe. That is true. So with Jumbo Joe leaving, Patrick Marlowe has come back to the Sharks on a one-year deal, That, if I'm correct, at 800000 Yes, yes. I should know this, but yes. yes. One year, at least. Um, so... We're just gonna let's just all assume that Patrick Marlowe is, you know, decided to finish his career in San Jose after fingers going, crossed. Going to the Leafs and then going back to San Jose and then going to Pittsburgh and now coming back to San Jose. How fitting do you think it is, Dan, that Patrick Marlowe is he's back in San Jose, he's back in a Sharks uniform, um, and being able to skate uh through the shark head at PNC. Or not not PNC. What's uh, uh, oh my goodness! The Shark Tank. The Shark Tank. Yes, <laughs> you are struggling today. <laughs> well, where do I go with that? Um, <laughs> I, I'd say that uh, that it, we're all excited here in San Jose to have Patrick Marlowe back in Teal, and of course, there's a, a pretty sizable record that's at stake this year for Patrick, and it's not uh, the most goals or most points or anything like that. He's actually. Um, you know, the Sharks all-time leading goal scorer and point getter. Joe Thornton has more assists, but uh, but Patrick has been here technically longer. He's, you know, this is his 21st season with the team, but he's 44, I'll make it 45 games away from breaking Gordie Howe's all-time record for most games played in the history of the NHL. And when you consider his durability at this stage of his life at age 41, uh, he's played in over 850 consecutive games. He's, uh, um, worked so hard, and as is the case with Joe Thornton, just as a, a great uh, professional in terms of being prepared to play all the time. 
He's still he's not as maybe as fast quite as he was when he was 25, but he's still faster than most people in the league. And he's somebody that has a great deal of, uh, uh, shall we say, Elan when he's on the ice, but also uh, he's somebody that can still score some goals. So we're looking forward to having him back with the, with the club and uh, having an excellent year to help the Sharks get back to where they belong in the postseason. Yeah, this this team missed the first, for the first time since 2015, missed the playoffs. And, you know, they get a guy like Devin Dubnik. What do you think the Sharks, and obviously you're going to be talking, like you said, having a little draft show with some, talking about members of the Barracuda. How long do you think, is there like a time frame that this, I don't want to say the word rebuild yet, but is this Sharks team going to be a team that'll be right back in the playoff picture? Or do you think it may be an extended period of time before they get back to the postseason? Well, look at the history of the last two decades. The San Jose Sharks, the year after they missed the playoffs, which has only happened three times now in those two decades, have had very strong rebound and rejuvenation seasons. Um, You go back to 15, they missed the playoffs. What did they do the next year? Went to the Stanley Cup final. Um, What happened when uh, they missed the playoffs prior to that in 2003? Next year, 2004, went to the conference final. And so those are just two examples now we have the third one where they missed the playoffs this year. You know, the bones of this team are are still very, very solid. This was a good team that had a bad year last year. And there were a number of reasons for that. I don't use the word rebuild with, with this organization. I use the more retool, refresh, and, you know, have the continuous change. You guys are in, around the college hockey world, and you, you know that seniors graduate every year, and that means you have to make sure that the freshmen and sophomores are coming in and down the pipeline and ready to play. And that's a, a kind of an analogy that Lou Lamorello has always used when talking about uh, his pro hockey rosters. And he comes from a college background. I did too. So uh, that's the kind of way that you can understand it. And I think that, uh, I think that the Sharks right now are a team that is starting to transition their roster a little bit. Um, Joe Pavelski left for Dallas this past year and, uh, Logan Couture has become the captain of the team, and I think Logan's going to – he's also from the London-St. Thomas area. He's going to do an outstanding job. So uh, I I think it's one step at a time. You're trying to to reload with younger talent. The the league is also changing in terms of the way that the game is played. So that was reflected in the most recent draft where the Sharks were looking for guys that – have good jam, can play the physical game, but also have great speed. And I think that that's one area where they they wanted to address this summer. And they've done that with, uh, you know, they had nine picks in the draft. They, they were all forwards. And I think that that's going to really help to give the team some more depth. There's some guys from the San Jose Barracuda, the AHL, that are going to be more ready to play in the National Hockey League this year. And uh, it's another year of development for some of the young guys. And so, um, it's all of that with the experience that they have. And, you know, the, the key thing is they've got three really elite defensemen in Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, and Mark Edward Vlasic. They've got an up-and-comer in Mario Ferraro. They've got another guy that's on his way up in Radim Shimek. And so beyond that, they've got some youngsters that are going to work their way into the lineup. You mentioned the goaltending. I think that the unique schedule that we're probably going to get this year is going to be a compressed one because of the COVID-19 problems. So you're going to need two goaltenders that A, push push each other every night for ice time, but B, given the fact that there's going to be a lot of maybe four games in five nights, three games in four nights situations, 
you're going to need two goaltenders to be at a very high level. So with Devin Dubnik at age 34 coming in here, he's somebody that um, is uh, a known quantity. He's had some very good seasons, wants to put some pressure on himself to uh, have a better year than he had last year. And the same with Martin Jones, really. These are two guys that have definitely gotten it done for the teams they played for. Martin Jones led his club uh, to the Stanley Cup final in 2016. And who could forget the the upset of Vegas and the trip to the conference final just the two years ago, year, you know, a year plus ago in 2019. So uh, Martin Jones was a key factor in that situation too. So it's not all negative. It's just a situation where the team is retooling, uh, adding some young talent to the roster, adjusting to the changes in the way that, that the game is played and uh, looking to rebound, which they have each and every time in the last two decades after they've had a disappointing year. So, I mean, I, I want, it's funny. I want like the sharks to do better. Cause that 2016 team was so magical. And then the 20, you know, the 2019 team, it seemed like they were down and out. They were able to come back in and make it all the way to the conference finals, despite almost beating the odds. This team is still good. They still have guys like I like, I still love, I love Evander Kane. I've always loved him. I think, you know, great, uh, great goal scorer. Great goal scorer. Had a little bit of a follow in Winnipeg, I know, but had a kind of a revitalization in Buffalo. A lot of great players. But I mean, before we let you go here, Dan, we got to ask the important question here. What are, because you've only been the only radio play by play guy in the history of the Sharks? You've only, been, just only. The only. The, you've been there since day one. What are the first thing that comes to your mind when I say, what are your favorite moments calling games? You've called Stanley Cup finals, outdoor games. You've called them beating the wings in 94. Sorry, Dad. I know he's watching this right now. But in other playoff upsets, great playoff runs. What is Dan Rusinowski's favorite moments as a Sharks broadcaster? Boy, that's a really tough question. There are a, a variety of games and moments in which um, I could put at the top of the list not the least of which is my first National Hockey League game, which was way back in October of 1991 at the Old Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver. That game, believe it or not, the very first game in San Jose Sharks history was not broadcast on television to the Bay Area. It was, it was only on the radio. So the only Bay Area or Northern California recording of that game is mine. And I did the game with Dennis Hull. It was a special night. He was my first color commentator. I've had a handful of them over the years. But uh, from that moment on, just to, it, it, you have to understand, it's a privilege to be able to fulfill your lifelong dream and broadcast hockey and paint that picture for uh, the avid listening audience that we have in San Jose and, and around the world now with, with the advent of satellite radio and the, and the you know, apps and the internet streams and every other way you can access a broadcast. And uh, I have to say that you know, if you look at over the years, like, you know, I can go through them. Uh, you know, Game 7, the whole series against Detroit in 94 was a very special one because it was the very first playoff series the Sharks ever had. And they shocked the hockey world and beat what was the best team in hockey that year in seven games in an unbelievable set of circumstances. But, the you know, in the, the very next round, they went to Game 7 against Toronto which was another special thing. How, how often do you get a chance to play two original six uh, teams in one season and play them both to seven-game series? That was amazing. There was actually a parade for that team when they came back home, and you're not supposed to have a parade until you win the Stanley Cup, but people in San Jose were just so excited about the team that they uh, invited them to have a little celebration in downtown San Jose. That was something special. Won't ever happen again until they actually win the Cup, and then they'll do the parade totally. 
but uh, the next year they beat Calgary in seven games when they weren't supposed to. And a kid from Edmonton, Ray Whitney, was able to get the game-winning goal in double overtime in Game Seven at the Saddle Dome. So that, you know, that's a good way to start your your uh, <clears throat> playoff career in terms of broadcasting. And then, uh, you know, I, I always remember a game against the Detroit Red Wings back in 2010 when Joe Thornton flipped the puck over to Patrick Marlowe and he converted on the two-on-one to give the Sharks a, a big victory, as I remember it in overtime. That gave the Sharks a, a stranglehold over the series. That was just a special moment uh, that, that comes to mind. And, of course, the Stanley Cup final. Jonas Donskoy in overtime in Game 3. Uh, Martin Jones, the unbelievable uh, goaltending performance in Game 5 to force a Game 6, where it all ended with Sidney Crosby getting the Conn Smythe and carrying the cup around, <clears throat> pardon me, SAP Center. But, um, uh, you know, th- those are just a couple of, of moments that, uh, are part of a whole litany of, of and many chapters of incredible hockey, great moments, great players, and a lot of fun. I know our dad's watching this right now, talking about the Sharks being the wings. He's sitting there in the corner. He's like, I remember all this stuff, and he's getting Well, hey, hey, let, hey, let's not forget. Let's not forget about the bad stuff, too. You know, it's not all about wins and, and playoff victories. I, if you want to talk about the Red Wings, how about when the Sharks had a uh, two-games-to-one lead over the Red Wings in 07, and uh, everything went wrong in the last couple of minutes and Robert Lang tied the game in the extra skater on after everybody on the Sharks messed up, including Evgeny Nabokov in goal. And then Matthew Schneider got the game winner in overtime. And so that was the, we thought that the Red Wings were ready to be beaten right there. And from that moment, instead of being up three, one, it was two, two and the Sharks season came to an end quickly. Um, you know, we had another one where we called it the tennis series where, after upsetting the Red Wings in 94, then they beat Calgary in the first round in 95. Guess who they play in round two? Detroit, that same team that they upset. Well, Scotty Bowman and the Red Wings weren't going to put up with that. And we call it the tennis series because the scores were 6-love, 6-2, 6-2, Series and set over, game, set, match. Red Wings sweep the Sharks. So we've had moments, good and bad. Um, we were in... Denver, Colorado, and actually we were in Littleton, Colorado on the day of the Columbine Massacre, which meant that the series against the Avalanche had to be postponed and had to start in San Jose, even though Colorado had the home ice advantage in that series. That's terrible. Um, You know, we've had a a series of other things happen like that over the years and some funny ones, too, where, you know, we had a postponed game in Vancouver where. I looked out from my hotel and out on Robson Street. They were actually cross-country skiing down the street. There was absolutely no way the game was ever going to get played. We had S.J. Sharkey caught up in the rafters, another game against the Red Wings. I remember that. Oh, my gosh. Late 90s. Scotty Bowman actually couldn't even look as they tried to to pull him back up because they thought they might miss him and he would fall to his death. So, you know, there are a lot of great little vignettes like that that happen in the game of hockey it's not just about big victories it's it's about some some catastrophic losses you know here's another one where the sharks uh, you know had a one nothing lead in calgary and the final score was 13 to 1 flames i remember calling that game by myself so there are a lot of a lot of moments like that that you live and die through uh, with the team obviously and that's what's part of what makes hockey great and you look back at all of those little moments and you have so many great memories and there are a lot more to come for san jose sharks fans the, you know the greatest one is going to be when um i get to have the privilege of calling a stanley cup championship for them it will happen at some point 
and I'm hoping it does soon, at least sooner than later. But it's it's all part of the journey, and that's what makes this game so very, very special. Lots of good moments and lots of uh, kind of weird ones that have definitely happened, and obviously you're going to see a lot more, and you're going to be calling a lot more, um, hopefully with a, a Stanley Cup victory um, on its way at Dan Rusinowski on Twitter. Make sure to check all of San Jose Sharks media to look at the classic games that he's been putting together, working hard on. Dan, thank you so much for spending the time with us. It's been a real pleasure um, talking to you about the San Jose Sharks. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, certainly all the best of luck to you guys with the show. And, uh, you know, if anybody does want to listen to any of those classic broadcasts, you could just go to sjsharks.com slash classic broadcasts. And when uh, the player comes up, hit play, and you'll find something out there. Next, The next premiere is tomorrow night. Ooh, All right. We'll definitely we will have tune to on that. tune in on that one. Dan, thank you again once again for being on the show. We'll definitely be talking to you soon. And that was Dan Rusinowski. And, man, that was fun. We should do that more often. We should do that more often. But we are going to head off to commercial here. Then we're going to be talking about some trades, some signings, and get you guys out of here. Here on the kitchen. And we are back from our second and final commercial break here on the Keel Show. Here on 12 Ounce Sports, brought to you by mybookie.ag and second string leather company crafted from the crease. Hashtag crafted from the crease. At the Keel Show. Hashtag TKS to get involved in the conversation. Do we have anybody on uh, YouTube that have been getting in there? Well, uh, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> hard no. Good to know. It sucks because we're like, I mean, those are too big. And like, and like I said, bad, you know, Brandon was helping us promote our stuff. We were getting a lot of looks and stuff like that. And we were getting, you know, people, and even Rusinowski uh, liked one of our tweets. So we were getting a lot of, like, traction. I'm like, oh, maybe people will kind of, no, not this week. We wore, look, we wore our stuff. Like, I wore my Canucks shirt for, for Batch, and you wore your Sharks for Rusinowski. And, I did. And, man, that, that's nice. I just want to make it perfectly clear. When I mispronounced his last name the first time, it was because <laughs> oh. I'm reading the script. Oh, yeah. As I do, as a I thought you would have known the name. Hold on. As a professional... I read the script word for word because you know what? I don't pay you anything to be. Because you know what? I'm just I have You're to follow the script. You're Rob Burgundy. Even though sometimes it may be wrong, I'm like, all right, I'm going to trust the script. And he spells it wrong. Everywhere else on the script, perfectly spelled correctly, Rusinowski. But no, the first time it's mentioned on the script. I know. Yeah, I know. I dead, know. dead wrong. Talking about dead, let's talk about trades. What? <laughs> Talk about death. Well, uh, I don't know. Not dead. Ah. More like Devin. Devin Taves uh, to Colorado from the New York Islanders. The Islanders uh, giving up a 2021 and 2022 second round pick. Yes. Second round for both years. That's what that meant. Yes. You want to write the script? (laughs) Dude, you need to figure it out. (laughs) You want to make a career out of this, dude? I could read that just fine. Whenever I do my shows by myself, I read that because then again, I know what I'm saying there because I wrote it. So. Tyler, I'm just saying, if you want to do this for real, you got to. I'm not a prop writer. I am not. Me- I'm not meant to be behind the camera, Alex. Trust me. You see the production level. You're of this not thing meant here. to be in front of the camera. Look at that mug. <laughs> You're wearing a toque. Oh yes. <laughs> You're wearing a toque indoors. Gr- yes. Pops would be ashamed. Pops my would- head's cold. Pops would rip that thing off and throw it. I have less hair on my head than you do. 
which is funny because boys got a receding hairline. Look at that. Get out of here. I'm looking at, it's funny. I look at my hair now. It's like it flops down in front. I don't like putting product in my hair because then it gets stuck. You and need then, to. Because, it looks no, good. No, because then the like dent right here where the headset sits on it, it'll like have like a divot when I take it off. Because Oh, my goodness. Because you don't know how to do it, bro. Bro? Bro. Bro? You're, bro. Bro, you're broing me right now? Get De- with the periodic table of getting being successful, bro. I mean, Devin Taves going to Colorado. This is literally a move. Now, the other trade, of course, was Nate Schmidt going to the Vancouver Canucks, but we discussed that quite a bit with Brandon Batchelor. So. Tyler, the hockey nerd. Yes. And if you. Tyler, the hockey nerd, I have a question. What's the question? Why the hell should I care? <laughs> <laughs> About the Devin Taves or the Nate Schmidt trade? Yes. <laughs> well, I'd say Brandon Batchelor. No, wanna... the Nate Schmidt trade is a little bit more, but no, this one. Devin Taves, Colorado. Well, I'm just telling people if they want to see about talk more about the Nate Schmidt trade, they can watch the replay tomorrow on our YouTube channel or listen to it on our favorite pod on their favorite podcatcher because we talked with play by play broadcaster Brendan Bachelor. And yeah, if you did. were just coming back for break, you missed that part. We were talking to Dan Rusinowski. He had some we pretty were. good stories. I would have I would have loved to heard his reaction to the SJ Sharky story because they were just throwing mats down and he's like twenty feet above. And let's be honest, I've fallen on the ice from ground level. How about Listen, that? <laughs> when it comes to sports and people falling out of rafters, we usually know what happens. Owen Hart. I'm sorry. Is, is it too far? Is I'm too just far? saying. Is that the too far? I see. I hear the stories and everything about the Owen Hart tragedy. And then I go back. Dark and Side watch, of the Ring. Definitely go watch it. And I go watch the VHS tape of the home opener for the Grand Rapids Griffins. And I was like, do you oh, think yeah. it was a good idea to give someone a flaming, well, it wasn't flaming. It was no, no, a no. stick with a freaking firework on no, it. No, 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 no. Griff, the Griff story. So he had skates on, but they put the skate guards on him. And he didn't grab the stick until he came down. He, had, he didn't grab the stick, the firework stick, until he got down off of the wire. That, Still. That's why I see that. Dumb. Like, it's, it tells you something going to go wrong. Which, which is weird because Owen Hart happened trust. in 99. S.J. Sharkey, that was the beginning of the 99-2000 season. Like, yeah, so that's I'm, the thing. I'm I'm like, sure. Where did that conversation come? It's like, all right, I'm we know what just sure happened. Scotty Bowman was just like, I'm not watching this. No, this isn't. I'm not. This gonna. is not happening again. This is not happening in front of my yeah. eyes. That was a very interesting interview with uh, well, Dan. Dan. Well, Dan. <laughs> the best. I, I think the part that I'm going to clip for sure, Alex, definitely the Joe Thornton story. Oh, yeah, no. Because the, the trade of Joe yeah. Thornton, because that's. Another thing. Clip that. Just that. No, no, Those no. no. I've, I've, been doing, I've been doing better. I've been doing better. Last couple weeks, I've been doing only like five minute clips. Yeah, I know. The, the third. Here, here's a quick clip of the boys <laughs> I, talking I about the Detroit Red Wings. 30 minutes. 24 <laughs> minutes later. Shoot <laughs> clips. Quick, quick. I've been That's, hence the reason why I, I think about your show, Quick Hits. Which, obviously, you don't really have to do anymore. So it's a, it's a quick hits because it's like an hour. Hits. An hour. It's, it's, it's like part it's, of the it's interruption. It's quicker than this show. It's like part of the interruption. It should be 15 minutes. No, that's, that's not. Okay. No. Devin Taves going to Colorado. Literally a move that Joe Sackick has made to kind of sort of fill the spot that Nikita Zadorov left when he traded him to Chicago. Yes. Cheaper contract. Devin Taves, we saw a lot in these playoffs, played a pretty big role. Now, once again, that's under Barry Trott's style and a lot of players that play that lesser role, that can play that defensive role, flourish under that type of style. Cal- Colorado, Jared Bednar, a little different. A lot of more offensive-minded players. You have McKinnon. You got McCarr on defense. So, yeah, maybe McCarr, even though I'm pretty sure Taves is right-handed, I think he is. 
No, don't say you are it. You're asking no. the wrong dude. I know. I shouldn't have asked that question. Let me. Well, let me make sure. Devin Taves. Devin Taves. Devin Taves. I need my T-shirt. He is left. Yeah, he shoots left. So yes, you could put him on Kale McCarr's wing. Kale McCarr, do his little skate up the ice, whatever. Devin Taves, sit there back on the blue line, and be like, I got this. I'm back here by myself, but I got this. No, literally, that's pretty much going to be his role. I'll get so. something. I like. So I like that that move. It's not a big move, and pretty much that's a real. You know, I think. Honestly, if this was a win for anybody, and I know I know I usually categorize trades as wins or losses, um, if this is a win for anybody, it's got to be the Islanders. It, ha- it honestly has to be. This is just them establishing more and just putting more investment into their future. Um, the Islanders have proven recently that they are um, a contender in this league. That's something that they can do on a yearly basis and especially with the talent that is developing and is already there the avalanche still have to sign him by the way yes they do he's an rfa they do but that being said i think this is just a good move for the islanders um especially with i want to say it the sound tigers they have one of the better um graduation rates don't they they have well they brought up a lot of good players they have guys like Ryan. they have they have they have a lot of let me let me rephrase that they have a lot of players that they can bring up from bridgeport that'll can that can fit into the system pretty well well they've done well they got ryan Pollock, who is an rfa but he's played a big role adam pellick he's he got you know he's got one more year at 1.6 he came up from bridgeport as well so yes in their in their time they've been able to and they have a couple good guys down there uh not the good sebastian aho but they still have him down there in bridgeport the other one but what he wilds down there i don't know i mean he's 20 years old he's still pretty young they also have Samuel Boldick, who please sign Joshua Hosang, who came from our, well, pardon me, he came from Sherbrooke, Sherbrooke Phoenix, but he also played for uh, he played for Blainville Boisbriand, Alex. Bla- Armada. I know you just like saying that. That's why I left that one for I you. I really do. Blainville Boisbriand, Boisbriand, Armada. That's where he came from. So yeah, so there's a lot of good talent down there. So that's why I'm pretty sure that Lou Lamoureux is like, okay, we we yeah, I like you, but yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. we don't need you. We don't need you. Well, how do you think? You know? Well, we uh, we don't need you. We don't need you. See, your Lou Lamarillo just turns into Burba. That's all it ever does. It just we slowly don't need you. It just turns into Burba. We just don't need you. Uh, Burba is the psychology teacher. We well at, was is was he, he's retired? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good for him. Is he back in the bar business? The bar business? Or well, he's, he's retired. Broke? I don't know what he. By well, by all I know, he's down in Florida. Oh, that's bad. No, it's in, not. In the, wait, in the part of Florida where it's secluded? His so, wife's got seasonal depression disorder. It's good. Oh, that's why they go down there. Okay. Yeah. Um, signings. Signings, yes. So with this hockey news. So this time we went from, we're going to go from the good to the meh. We're going to start can off with go, the, Can we go meh to good, please? Uh, well, then you're going to have to Because I can skip through all the meh. Well, okay. Uh, I'll, I mean, yeah, you, you're the one reading them off, so I don't care. Okay, well here's here's my question. Am I got, gonna am I gonna read them off and then after I read them all, then you're gonna say stuff, or am I gonna read them and then you say you stuff? You can skip I uh, stop at Graves. Okay. How Let's, about this? Stop it, stop read, it, stop at Graves. I will read like, everybody. Well, no, say, I'll read no, everybody. No, because there's some bigger ones. Stop. Well, we can go back. No, this but, is what I'll do. I'll no. read everyone. You're I'll gonna do what I back. say you're gonna do. Thank you. <laughs> Stop it, Ryan Graves, because I got I, I got things. The first four I don't have much on, so read those off. But Ryan Graves, I'll break down. Okay, uh, Joachim, as you can tell, we did a lot of planning before the show. 
Uh, Joachim Nordstrom. Not Markstrom. Nordstrom. Nordstrom. Nordstrom Rack. Boston Bruin. Former Boston Bruin. Now, again, uh, Boston No, wait. No, no. I read that wrong. No. Oh, my gosh. Calgary. (laughs) I typed it wrong. I was so focused. He was a former Boston Bruin. I wrote Boston. I'm going to put dents in your table. I focused on the other parts of the... We had two pretty big parts of the show that I had to focus on, Alex. I'm sorry. I'm just going to draw obscenities on your table with this Sharpie marker. (laughs) You want to tell me that? Joachim Nordstrom. Caltech. That's that's not even... (laughs) You just wrote Cal. (laughs) University Cal Berkeley. It's Calgary, you turducken. All right. Joachim Nordstrom (laughs) rack. Caltech 7K for 10 years. (laughs) <laughs> Ten no. years. He's got a master's degree. He's getting, he's getting, his, he's getting his master's He's getting his doctorate from, master from Caltech. Thank Cal- you, Uncle Max. Calgar- Is that better? Calgary. <laughs> no, Keem. Nordstrom Rack. Calgary. 700000 for a year. Thank God. <laughs> That's the first guy we're going to not talk about. Uh, talking about Vancouver with our guest, uh, Autumn... What? Godet. What? <laughs> I'm just looking at all these names and I'm trying to pronounce them incorrectly. You already said you said Brandon. You first time you met, you said Bachelor. I'm like Brandon. I'm like oh dear lord. I'm like I said Brandon. You said Brandon. Brandon. Viewers, who? Did, what do you say? Oh, okay. whatever. What do you say? You said Adam Godet. Godet. Uh, that's what I said. <laughs> you said Godet. You said Godet. <laughs> Adam Gonads <laughs> resigns with Vancouver. He's got 950K, 950K. That's 1,000 for those at home. For one year. 365 days of gonads. <laughs> Eric Gustafson. <laughs> Eric Gustafson. Three M&Ms for a year. In PHI. You know, someone probably tuned in to see if they see, catch the end of the Dan Rosanowski interview. Rosanowski interview. Welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome to the real part of the kill. Eric Gustin. Welcome, welcome to Thunderdome. Well, I and I will say this quickly about Gustin. This is pretty much them trying to replace Radko Gudis with getting Gustafson. Yeah. I'll go with I'll give you I'll give you that part. So Matthias Janmark. No, what the heck? really? That's Matthias. Matthias. Former Grand Rapids Griffin Matthias Janmark. It was for a br- very brief time period. When? Uh, okay. I don't care enough. Uh, he signed with Chi-Town. Why has Matias Yanmark's girlfriend come up before his stats? I just, is she I, hot? I know I'm not going to look that up. I don't care. Let's see here. Former star. He, he signed for, for Grand Rapids for... Wow. Well, two I, games. <laughs> I, well, because the Griffins, the Griffins posted it. This was his graduation date. Fantastic. He played two games. Great. Went back home to Sweden. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. no. Oh, pardon me. Eight six, games. Six games in the playoffs. Sorry. Eight total games as a Griffin. Wow. It's like saying how Jason Spetz says an all-time Griffin, even though he played hey, like hey, guess what? five games. Chris Osgood is a graduate of the Griffins. He was a re... No, I don't count rehab stints. Rehab stints don't count. He was a medical so Chris, assignment. So Chris Jellios, Manny Legacy... Uh, Curtis Joseph. Can we count Darren McCarty, please? Yes, because he because he technically <laughs> went to well retirement, went to I, rehab, and he said, "Well, he he went to rehab, and he said, yeah, it just took him a few years to do it.' 
Anyways, two point two five for a year for Matthias Janmark in the wind. Griffin City. legend Matthias Janmark. Sure. Uh, Ryan Graves, not brother of Corey Graves, uh, resigns with Colorado. Three years, three point one six 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 six. Repeating million dollars. That's that's a good that's a good contract because he's still a young defenseman. He really came on the scene last year with his. I mean, obviously, he led the league in plus minus, and I know that's in very undermined stat nowadays. It's not looked at as a very big, especially with all the um, with all the analytics nowadays. That it's kind of like a, oh, that's a very passe stat to look at. But such a young defenseman, and obviously, he was put in some different. He was put in easy situations for him to succeed. But the fact he's still able to be consistent in those situations, that's why the Avalanche are going to go with a, a lower a lower end deal in terms of millions of dollars and less term. And that's what then obviously the contract will get to at the top. It's a long term, lots of money, but not um, worth. Well, not. Well, what I'm what I'm saying not is worth it. What I'm saying is that the trend this year has been a lot of shorter contracts, and that's because players realize, hey, the cap may go up in three or four years, or their value may go up in three or four years. Oh yeah. So that's why there's been a lot of short term contracts where you know Taylor Hall he was looking for five or six years before he signed with Buffalo, but he decided let's just get one year, get paid a bunch of money. Maybe we can find a team next year that's willing to pay term and cash. And obviously, you want to figure out you know if the dollar amount, if the salary cap will go up in the near future, which we probably be three years at 81 and a half at least. Right. So that's why they went with that contract. Great deal though for Ryan Graves. Uh, Evgeny Dadnov, uh, 5 million by three years that, and this is an Ottawa team that has been, they've been getting a lot of guys. I, and I said, and it's funny. I'm concerned I, because now they're going back to their old 2d logo. I like the look of their jerseys, and they're picking up they're, not bad players. They're going to the beginning because remember, like the ninety, like the early two thousands, they had the white on the elbows before they went to the like the actual. The oh, set. I know. So they went to the old, like with the black arms, with the one you kept seeing in the D three movie, the Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah, I dig it. I like it too. Brian Five or Six is having himself a ball up there right now. Oh, of course. Well. I bet every Ottawa Senators fan, if you're still out there and you're not in your bunker yet, well, they're coming back. Having everyone's it. like everyone that put their leaf sweater on after the Senators got bad is taking it back off and like, yeah, 2007, woo! But the meme of Homer Simpson wearing like some like a Detroit Red Wing or an Ottawa Senator jersey and then going back into the bushes and coming out wearing a Leafs jersey is going back with a Leafs jersey and then coming out with an Ottawa Senators jersey. Well, I said this. I said this last week, Alex. The Atlantic Division with Buffalo getting Taylor Hall and making a little bit of fine-tuning moves there. The Ottawa like Senators getting Matt Murray. Oh, man, you may not like the deal, but it's an opportunity for that. To, it's a, I give that the Chris Pronger effect. One year in Edmonton, got him to the finals. I don't think Taylor Hall's going to take this to the Seneca Finals, but what I'm saying is it could make them better. More like a Zach Parise effect, where they're going to get marginally better, but it's not going to be worth it. <laughs> it's going to end in disaster. It's one year versus... 13 or 12 or however long Ah, yes, but, but if he gets 10 goals, then it's going to be 10 mil. <laughs> the But Buffalo gets a little bit better. I think Florida and Bill, Bill Zito's made a lot of great moves down in Florida. They're, they, if Bobrovsky can have a better year, they'll be better. Detroit is going to be competitive with Thomas Grice, their goaltender. They're signing a couple of good... Mark Stahl. Uh, 
Mark Stahl. He may not be the same Mark Stahl, but he's bringing in veteran players. Who's the goalie for that team? Thomas Grice. They signed him. Thomas Grice was signed by the Wings. But who's the backup, though? Bernier. Still Bernier. Yeah. He won more games than Jimmy Howard. (laughs) And again... That's another question. Who hasn't picked up Jimbo? (laughs) He's still free agent. We'll save that for the end if we have time for that. 36 years old. But Ottawa's getting better. Detroit's going to be more competitive. Buffalo, Florida, and Boston's offloading. Tampa's going to have to start offloading. Toronto is a thing. I don't. I mean, they're they're getting tougher. That if if the now if the Canadian division is a thing, then obviously it'll be with Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. Toronto up there. loses every time. But that Atlantic division, if it stays to those divisions, it's getting a lot tighter, Alex. And it's for the and I'm not saying full scale metro division tight yet, but it's getting more competitive and in a good way because for the last what three years, who has it been? Boston, Tampa, Toronto. Yes. And it's, I don't say it's gotten boring, but it's made it Well, Boston, Tampa, Toronto, slash Islanders, slash Canes. No, I'm talking in the Atlantic division. Just the Atlantic. Oh. Not the wild card. No, not the Metro or the wild card. Uh, The only thing we've ever really had to debate or pick. The only thing we've ever had to debate and pick on is who had the best chance to get a lottery pick. East. East. I thought you said Weast. That's what I I know. I (laughs) I like repeating people. You're just throwing your shirt. Oh. Windmill. I saw that. It's not Windmill Wednesday. It's Tuesday, but you know what? Who cares? It's Monday. I don't know what day it is anymore. It's Make Up Your Damn Mind Monday. <laughs> That's a good one. I'll allow, yeah, I'll allow yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I like this move because it adds a little bit more scoring. Dadanov wasn't the top guy in Florida, but he put up some numbers. He was sort of a power play, off the power play, on the power play kind of guy. He'll get that opportunity playing with guys like Connor Brown, Matthew Kachuk, or Brady Kachuk, excuse me. He's surrounded by a very good, young, talented team, or very talented team that has some growing to do. It's a good spot for him. They have goaltending. They have a couple good young defensemen. Ottawa is not gonna be not gonna be a team that's gonna be looking at. It's like, hey, that's two points right there. Psych. What are you laughing about? You know how in hockey, like some players with their last names, they'll like change them up. So, <laughs> so like it'll be like so. Matai- Matthias Janmark, right? I call him a Yanni, right? I call him Yanni. And uh, maybe Ryan Graves is Gravesy. Gravesy? Evgeny Dadnov. Do you think they call him Daddy? I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't. They probably don't call him Gino, but what Gino? Why would they call him Gino? Well, like Evgeny Malkin, but like Gino, because it's shorter. I don't know what the the nickname is. I don't have any connections down in Florida, Alex. Why would they call Evgeny? I don't see why they call him Evgeny Malkin Gino. Just he's not even Italian. I I, I, I don't know, Alex. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm gonna let's go to Pittsburgh right now. Evgeny Daddy. We'll ask him from a distance, socially distant, Uh, Mr. Malkin. Yeah. Why Gino? Okay. All right. Perfect. And then we get the answer. We go home. We can. Here's the question. What? You're driving. Hoagie or Philly cheesesteak? Well, we're in Pittsburgh, so not Philly cheesesteak. It'd be a hoagie. We'd be in Pittsburgh. It's Pits- still round. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm not going to sure. get a Philly cheesesteak in Pittsburgh. I'm going to get that one corned beef sandwich with coleslaw and french fries on it that's put it in, in parchment paper and wrapped and handed it to you. That's what I want. Don't remember what that Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dive episode was, but I want that. So you want a corned beef sandwich? 
I I want me Aaron. I I can go for a Reuben right now. I could I could love a Reuben right now. Talking about Reuben, uh, let's Thornton and Jimmy VC sleeps. So we talked a little bit about Thornton. Thornton seven hundred K for a year. More or less, we talked with Thornton part two. with Dan about, well, the impact he had on the franchise. Still, Number 97. Like, Well, apparently Jason Spezza offered 19 to him. He did. However, and, 97. Well, he does wear that with Team Canada because obviously it seems like there's always five guys that wear Does he wear 19. it with HC Davos? I don't know. Look it up. He's back. He's playing in Davos, so he's trying to stay in shape, which is good. Well, he's also a dual citizen in, in Switzerland. Sweden. Sweden is isn't HC Davos? No, that's Sweden. Swiss. That's Swiss. Swiss. Oh well, he is number ninety-seven for HC Davos. There you go. Look at that. I, you know, Joey Thornton. He's a guy that brings veteran presence. Oh I, yeah, no Switzerland. Kyle yeah, Dubas Swiss. is making this team tougher. And I and I know people are gonna be like, oh, it's the effect of oh, they need big players or whatever. They need tougher players. Um, hello, St. Louis in twenty nineteen. They had some big players. They had some tough guys, and they won. Tampa Bay, always a skilled hawk. What on. was the biggest thing that we had against the Leafs? Okay, let's the lack few of big toughness. Things. Lack of toughness. Organizational confidence. All of the young guys that don't have experience. Overpaid salaries and toughness. And that's why toughness being the big thing. But and that, but here's the thing. No, look at Tampa. The Leafs always they say we want to be like Tampa. We want to be like Tampa. We want to be skilled. Well, guess what? The Lightning. They they got rid of skill, or pardon me, they sacrificed skill to get Blake Coleman, to get Barclay Goudreau, oh to my. get Patrick Maroon, Luke Shen. Those guys played big minutes for the Lightning in the playoffs, leading to the Stanley Cup. And I'm pretty sure Kyle Dubas saw that, and he's like, maybe we should be like Tampa, but not the old Tampa, this Tampa. So they get TJ Brody. They get a guy like Joey Thornton. They get Wayne Train Simmons. They get all of these bigger guys. They yes, need Wayne Simmons. They may be older. They may not be as fast, but they Wayne bring Simmons grit. Relevant, they bring grit. Well, yeah, look at the teams he's played on the last couple of years, Alex. No, I'm talking about him as a player. No, he's never irrelevant. He's a big guy in front I've of the net. He can play liked tough. Him. I've never liked his play style. Just because you just didn't like Philly. No, it's not because I didn't like Philly. I just didn't like Wayne Simmons. I like. I Wayne don't. Simmons. I don't think he's. He was. Anno- I don't think he's a viable option. I don't think he's. Worth, he was annoying. I don't to play think against. he's worth one point five million for one year. No, I'm sorry. When we have Mitch Marner for how much? When you have John Tavares oh, for how much? Do we need to go over this conversation about how the the first three guys on the on the forwards list on cap friendly for the Maple Leafs are far overpaid? John Tavares far overpaid for far too long. Math, Austin Matthews, I'd say he's overpaid personally. Then again, I don't think one person should be making eleven point six three four AAV for the next four years. Alex, I don't think anybody needs that much money. There are thirteen players in the National Hockey League right now that are getting paid over ten million dollars. And guess what? No, part, Do they on. deserve ten million dollars? Their their cap hit is at least over ten million dollars. Well, hold on. Connor McDavid. Do they need that money, though? Hold, it's not the whole... No. Alex, you're not going to get into the whole... No, because you want to know why? Agents and egos. That's what ruins it. Okay? So, and all of these players got egos. Hold on. Like mothers. Except for The Leafs Jason are the Spence only team with three. Chicago is the only team that has two because Connor, or Taves and Kane signed for those, those dual $10.5 million contracts together. So, long story short, yes, Leafs have a lot of money. So that's why getting guys that are cheaper but grittier is what 
they need to and move forward. Older. Jimmy VC, I, I don't know. Jimmy VC was so gosh darn cocky. I can't go play for Nashville. There's no market there. They just made it to the finals. Nope, I got to go play in New York with the Rangers. Well, guess what? You end up in New York, the wrong New York in Buffalo. Now you're in Toronto for nothing. I mean, 900K is more than minimum, but I don't know if this will be a... It's basically nothing. I don't know if it's a revitalization for him. As far as hockey goes, it's nothing. But I like the opportunity he's got. He's got a lot to prove. He's got to, he's got to crack this lineup now. He's this is not a sure thing for Jimmy VC. He he's, has to he's crack this lineup. lineup. He'll play. He's gonna make the lineup. He may be a Tyler Ennis though. No, I I don't see him as a full time NHLer. That's just me. Three, six, nine. Robertson's not gonna well, be cracking the lineup. He's he's a nineteen year old dude. You saw how good he was. He ain't that good. Kerfoot. Mikheyev is, is going to be... Okay, so let's, let's talk about the lineups of who's going to actually be on there. Matthews, Tavares, we still have to get Marner, to like Nylander. Obvious picks. Kerfoot, meh. Hyman, yes, he's going to make the line, lineup. Simmons... I don't, he's not going to play a full year. He's not going to play a full year. Spezza and Thornton are going to probably split time. Dude, have the old guy line. Spezza, Spezza Thornton, Wayne Train. The old man is line. that your shutdown line? That is your shutdown line. They are dumping that puck and they're not back checking because none oh. of them can skate. All right, trap, go trap. Just have the big boys in there. Uh, Travis Boyd's listed on there because they need to fill it. And McKayev right now is in arbitration. He's asking for two and a half million. If I don't Nick, know if Nick Robertson wants to crack the lineup. He needs to go back to being what he's best at: shooting the puck like crazy. Defense. <laughs> You're running with the dangle joke. No, he. I liked him. I he. Listen, he only got. Five games to play, but he looked good in that preseason game against Montreal. He, yes, he has to learn, but I like him. I really think he could be. I don't think he's gonna be an everyday guy, but I think he'll play a lot, especially with with the very compressed schedule. You're gonna have to put you know, guys in and out of the lineup. That's why having guys like Roberts in there can play huge, and guys like Trevor Moore, guys such as my missing someone here, uh, Adam Brooks is another guy you'll see a lot more of. Pierre Engvall will be another guy. So there's a lot to go around here. Um, wait, did I say Pierre Engvall? I don't, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Pierre Engvall, Ty. I don't think so. Why not? I just, I think the Leafs are just getting too heavy. Well, there's a, they're, they're, he can, they're, he, here's the, he can no, play, he can play the grind. He can Tyler, play the safety. Tyler, Tyler, this, this Leafs team is not with these additions. Do I need to call Todd Crocker. No, you don't need to call him. I'm just saying, with these additions, I do not believe that the Leafs are still that team where they can bring up guys and send them back down, back and forth. This is not that team anymore. They're getting, like, they are becoming, like other teams, too heavy, where you don't see a lot of movement between the Marlies and the Leafs, even though you're basically across the street There's from each so other many still. Players, man. Miko Lennon has to come over. You have Lilligren, te- you have Lilligren and Rosen technically down in the minors, but you have them. Adam Brooks. Uh, Dirk, Marlies are going to look, look Nick, good whenever Nick they Patan, start to play. Igor Korshkov, Barabanov. Oh, man, this team's going to be good. Yeah, they're going to be good this, for like, when they decide to play. I know. That's the hard part in all this. I'm like, they're going to be good. Ugh. So you know what? That's going to be a great you know, morning skate roster. There you go. Black Aces roster. Hey, look at that. Alex, this is the last year Mikhail Grabowski will be on the books for $0. Where's buyout? Great. You know who's also on the books, but for two years? Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel. $1.2 million. $1.2 million worth of hot dogs. Still 
less than Wayne Simmons. Just like uh, Wayne was making 1.5, Phil's only 1.2. Well, yes. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you the stats, man. I'm, I'm just saying I'm here for the like Wayne Simmons. Wayne Train. Yep. Patrick Marlowe and Matt Nito Cheeto. No, it's Nieto. It's Nieto. I'm calling him Nito. I, I, it's, it's not correct. Incognito. I can call Dan back. I'm going to tell Dan to stop saying names wrong, Alex. You're going to call your buddy Frage, too? I don't have... Yeah, shut up! I, I, no, you don't have his number. I can Facebook him. Uh, sure. <laughs> Frage. Hey, buddy. Uh, San Jose. The day we get Frage on the show is the day 700000 a year. It's officially the day that we probably get taken off the internet. We're not going to be taken off the internet. We're going to blow up. We're just going to... It's going to be a massive, just like... Uh, it's going to make that meme ear screeching sound. Like, you know, whenever you watch those dumb meme videos where just all the sound just goes to whack. The yeah. one you were just watching before the show today. Yeah, the the ear rape memes. Yes, yeah, yeah. those. Yeah, that's what it's going to sound like. It's going to be Elliot Frazier, and then it's going to go just... It's going to escalate. No, there, there'll be a different TikTok trend. To, we're to not ever. And I mean... TikTok. Ever. Uh, doing a TikTok. TikTok. Never going to do it. Moving on to Montreal. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, 4.25 for four years. Jake Allen signs a two-year extension for 2.875 AAV. And Gallagher signs a six-year extension. 6.5 mil AAV. Tyler. Montreal. Why? It's going to be a thing. Why? I don't know if they're going to be the thing, but they may be a thing. Tyler, they barely made it into a 24-team playoff. They'll be competitive. I don't see them being the same kind of team similar. Like I said, I don't. I have more faith in the future of Ottawa. I wouldn't say Detroit yet. I'm not can, quite can sure. I, can I say something real quick? No, I'm I talking. Have, I, I have, am talking. What? I'm just saying, right now, I have more faith than Montreal and, like, four years than I do Montreal right now. You want to know why? Look at their picks for 2021. They have one pick in round one, two picks in round two, three picks in round three, three picks in round four, three picks in round five. They got a lot. They got a lot of picks. They have the Detroit Red Wings amount of picks, I believe, this year. But look at the team they kind of have. So you The saw Detroit it. Red Wings around amount of picks. Well, well, not next year. I'm talking next year. Next year, they've got three this round This year, picks. oh, yeah. What's, what's their... What's their I don't know if it says. Yeah, uh, if you can look up how many they had la- this past draft, but they, you know, Duran, if he can step up, yes, they lost Max Domi, but Josh Anderson still can play if he's healthy. That's the problem, with Josh Anderson. He's never been healthy. That's why I don't say he was excommunicated out of Columbus, but it wasn't a good fit for him. You bring in a guy like Tyler Toffoli, guy that has experience, guy that played some pretty big minutes for Vancouver last year. I liked him in that role. I with playing with the Canucks, but he, he wasn't a shrimp on the Kings roster either. No, and that's he played a big role in their cup in their cup team. Well, the twenty fourteen cup in particular. He played he actually was on the no, he's not on the twenty twelve team. Twenty fourteen team he was a big played a big role on it. He was uh wasn't he was I, he, he was, on the I, Brown line? Or on the Brown line? No, he was on the the that seventies line. He was with uh King Dwight King, Tyler Toffoli, and Tanner Pearson. That was that line. The big three oh. the number seventies or whatever. And so they played a really big role in that postseason. So you bring that experience in, and once again, not a big dollar amount for them, you know? He understands his role, and is he going to be a guy that's going to replace a guy like Dale Weiss in the future? Probably. So that's a good move by Mark Bergevin. 
Jake Allen for two years. You know what? Montreal's had problems with backup goaltenders lately. Charlie Lindgren is starting to not pan out. Caden Primo is still too young in my eyes, so give him a couple more years in the American League. And, and well, they tried the whole thing with Keith Kincaid, and that didn't work, Alex. He went over. So, yeah. So the move by, here by Jake Allen, signing for two years, that gives Caden Primo a little more time to develop down in the minors with Laval, and then you know we're, we'll see where he's at from there. I think Primo sells a great upside. When he came in, with the Habs last year, he looked pretty good in his few games with Montreal. I like to think that, you know, maybe not a Thatcher Demko, but, you know, you could see that the moves, the right development is being taken with Primo. And I think the Habs realized that because Carey Price, despite his big, long contract, he won't be around forever. You're going to want a goaltender that's ready when he starts to starts to dwindle a little bit. So Caden Primo is seemingly to be the goaltending prospect in Montreal, and that's why they didn't layer it. Let's get Jake Allen here for a couple of years, give Carey Price some nights off, because my goodness, he's not that young. He can't play 70 games, Alex, even though they're not going to play 70 games this year. But no. you know what I mean. And especially like we kept talking about with Vancouver. There is a premium on goalie tandems, folks. Yes, so Jake Allen and having a guy and hey, be a starter and hey, Jake hey, Allen. Yep. Hey, hey, guess what? what? Guess I was what? almost done there. You know, okay, I'll let you finish. Jake Allen and Carey Price, good tandem. Okay, go. <laughs> you know how... Let me get my mic nice and close. You know how you you talk about how you you called the Tampa Bay Lightning thing five hundred and thirty eight days before it happened. You know how you called that thing. Yep. Guess who called a premium on goalie tandems and called for it and said that it was going to happen. This guy in season one of the Keel Show. If you can find it and clip it, I will. I think not, I still not, ha- not I right think now. I still have season one on my laptop here. It's on YouTube. Oh well, I could do that as well. <laughs> well do it. Do it after the show. Uh, well, the show. Yes, I I understand that. I'm going to do it. We're all sides are here, like off. Like that's that was the funny thing about the that whole meme Ladies of. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, of all ages. No, you didn't even. You weren't even that. You were just. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, of all ages. Welcome to the first episode of the Keel Show. I am Alex, and along with the inside of the insiders, Tyler Keel. We have a great show today. So calm and whatever. Was I? Oh no, you were awful. Like that's why when the, that whole meme started, Alex, of the how it's starting, how it's going, it's like you and I in Nana's basement with two twenty dollar mics and hooked up into your phone. You got to go to the playlist. Go playlist. I'm, I'm gonna go. go. Yeah, go to the playlist. I'm yeah. gonna just go all the way down here. Nope. Yeah. Uh, no. Nope, yeah. I keep going. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You got. Oh my. Oh. You got to go back to that. It goes down. It all here. goes down from here. You don't play the sound. Well, well, I'm not gonna a, play the sound. It's just maybe it, I'll, maybe I'll play the. First you're still wearing the same seconds. toque, which is good. But then again, we got those toques. What sixteen, seventeen season, right? No, my original. Oh my goodness! I was so nervous doing that one. That, that was one. that was. Recording. I was. So, I was so nervous doing that first episode. My that, god! My gosh! That hair though. Was I still trying to play? No. This oh. was this was after. Oh, this you, was yeah. This is when I started broadcasting, so I I was done. No, playing. You, this was post. I still now. had the hair though. Gosh, no, you didn't. This was far past your hair. No, you were. No, you, I mean, I still had. You like, were you were you were in recovery at this point. I was yes, I was in emotional recovery after this. Yeah, and you were like just. Uh, but hey, we are here now. We went from ten minute shows off your phone to. Two and a half hours here on 12 Out Sports. It wasn't 10 minutes. It was half hours. Well, it was getting half hours. That's why we started doing the podcast, because we realized 
Well, it was half hours, and we tried to do 15 minutes, and we decided that it wasn't right. So then we just ended up doing 30-minute shows, and then we decided to go to a podcast, and we ran that for a little bit. We tried to do some video game shenanigans thing, but that didn't end up working out because you thought it was dumb. You know, I I said we have to we have to distinguish the two brands, and you're like, this is your brand, Alex. You're the video game shenanigans guy. That's your brand, and you're like, I don't want to do it. Well, because it was supposed to be a... Ah. It was a thing. It was it wasn't a official banner, but it was two separate entities. It was supposed to be. The, it was supposed to be like WWE, but they were going to have or WWF. They were going to have WWF and WCW all under one banner. But then they're like, "This is stupid." Whatever. <laughs> Anywho, ha and his merry men. Brendan Gallagher. Hold on, I haven't got to Brendan Gallagher. Sweet yet. Jesus. <laughs> we got fifteen minutes, Alex. We can do this. Ow. <laughs> What are you, sunburn or something? No, my pinched nerve. <laughs> you have a pinched nerve? What'd you do? I, I've had a pinched nerve forever, man. Yeah, get the knot out. Oh, <laughs> God, don't do that. Yeah, get some massage. Sweet Jesus. Get the elbow in there. Just, bang, just Jesus, dig into that Hebrew muscle. Christ. Brandon Gallagher, I mean, this for him, this is pretty much Gallagher saying, I'm a Montreal for life. Now, whether or not, because I believe it's a full no-move clause for Brandon Gallagher for six years. Let me just make sure here. Sign through 2027. Modify. So no move clause, modified no trade clause. That is the clause. He submits a 16 no trade list. So pretty much means, hey, Brandon, we're going to tra- we're going to trade you. How about, you know, what is the one eighth of or well, what's what's uh, 32 divided by six? Well, uh, by 2026, six point five million is going to be buyout worthy. So let's just say. That. Well, hopefully, hopefully, if we, hopefully the dollar comes back up in the salary cap. So. I I'm really you know I I like it because he's he's the heart and soul guy. The fact that he's not the captain is really just because the fact that Shea Weber is there. So Shea Weber doesn't do deadly squat. He scored three goals in the playoffs. He's there based off name recognition, and so is Brandon Gallagher. But I I, I like Brandon Gallagher got popular there. That is true. I'm sorry. Who got messed up by Sedino Chara? Not Brandon Gallagher. That was Max Pacioretty. Pacioretty's the one that got burned. No, I'm talking over the course of that those series. Not Brandon Gallagher. Ga- Gallagher tried to get messed up. Brandon Gallagher, he went after him. So, But I like it. It's a great move for Montreal, solidifying just that core because the teammates like him, the franchise likes him, the fans like Brandon Gallagher. No matter if he's playing well, playing bad, everyone likes him. Mostly everyone. I mean, there are probably some detractors out there, but... I like the contract. It's not a bad deal for a guy that's going to be there for a while. And I hate it. Just to be contrary. You just... I did, I actually... You I, just, like, take devil's advocate. Actually, no, Scratch. I just... I don't like it. Purely on the basis that it's so darn long. And it's... It's not expensive expensive, but... My gosh. What about expensive expensive and long-term, Alex? How about that? I'm just saying... I don't think there's been any contracts that have been signed. Nine in times out of ten, it does not end up working for the team who signs the contract. Well, there, yeah, I know there's Jacob Markstrom 6x6, six six, but there's that, I'm sure it's not the worst contract, Alex. No, it's not. Pushing you into that segue. Alex Petrangelo, $8.8 million for seven years. Seven. You're dumb. Okay, let me, let me just say Let's just jump over to... Va- You're dumb Google Translator. I'm going to look up all the ways I can say you're dumb. You are dumb in Google Translate. So as of right now, because that's why they got rid of Nate Schmidt. That was a lot of money that got taken off the books. Excuse me. So they're a lot closer to the cap ceiling. Eres tanto. 
It's in Spanish. Alex, just type in your dumb and just flip the language. Oh, shoot. I should. I totally could have You know what? You know what, Alex? You're a genius. Type that in three times. So Vegas, though, while Alex, while Alex is trying to do it in like 10 different languages. Yeah. I'm not even going to try Icelandic. <laughs> he's Icelandic. He's like, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why is Russian look so weird? I'm trying to Give me what, an easy one. How about you do like French that has actual to letters? Say uno That's Italian. It's Italian. Okay. So before Alex, if you're just going to stop for the rest of us here so I can get yeah, to I'll, Alex Petrangelo. I'll, I'll let you go for a right. bit. Are you sure about that? Sec. I'll let you go for a little bit. You're going to look for another one of the actual, actual letters. Go. Just no, no, go. Okay. Alex Petrangelo signing for. She's se- bent bomb. <laughs> That's Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> well, actually, I could call up Kelly Zoma and actually have her say it to make no. sure you say it right. <laughs> Swedish. Do are dumb. <laughs> Do are dumb. So it's literally saying you are dumb. Okay. So you done? Can I get to Alex Petrangelo now? Sure. I only got 10 minutes, Alex. Sure. So. Yes, this contract is stupid. Yes, the term is stupid. Yes, the amount of money is stupid. And yes, it's going to look bad in literally two years because he is 30 years old. He's not young by any stretch of the imagination. You still have Mark Stone for nine and a half through 2027. That contract looks dumb in two years. You have Max Pacioretty signed for three years. You can get by that. William Carlson, it already looks bad. I mean, there's so many contracts right now that the that the previous regime and George McPhee signed, and now Kelly McCrimmon has divin has divin has divin has dove into the pit of madness that is Las Vegas. Has been given. They are almost at a million dollars in projected LTIR used. I don't know where's the LTIR going to though. Who can they? There's no one to give it to, unless you're gonna for some. I mean, Derek Engling's off the books. So don't have to worry about him. What are you gonna say? Braid McNabb's broken both of his legs. What are you gonna have? Like some Vegas hitman go out there? Scroll up a little bit. So, I mean, you just look up Cat Friendly, Alex. No. You have Cat Friendly tab open right there. Just click Vegas. But, so. It's a Cody Glass. Cody Glass. Well, that's an ELC. That contract's already signed. You'll see a lot of them, though, because they're going to have to get rid of some of these players. You're going to, I mean, you just signed Chandler Stevenson. You can't get rid of him. Alex Tuck is 4.75 for 2020 through 2026. That contract cannot be moved. I mean, unless you're going to start getting rid of some smaller players like William Carrier, you're going to have to probably look at getting rid of him. Ryan Reeves, I know he's been a real heart and soul guy, but that's a million and a one point one and three quarter million that you need to get rid of. You signed Thomas Nostick for one year at one point two five. I know it's not a lot of money, guys, but that'd be putting him under the cap right now. Thomas Nostick hasn't done squat. Ty, what happens if the team goes over the cap at the start of the season? They there get, is over the cap. They at the get penalized. It was the problem with the Hawks. They get penalized in picks and cash, if I'm not mistaken. Because remember, the Canucks, I believe, are still suffering a cap penalty with uh, the Roberto Luongo deal. They are. They are still, yes. Because Luongo retired, and that's why it was such a huge thing last year. Yes. So that's why these contracts sink. Yes, you're probably not going to lose Tuck. March is still, you're not going to get rid of. Riley Smith, he's got, well, so the guys that have no move clause, probably or modified no trade clause of some sort. Stone, Pacioretty, Carlson, Riley Smith, March is so, and Petrangelo. The rest of the defensemen are up for grabs. So Shea Theodore, 5.2, through 2025, Alec Martinez, one more year at $4 million. Braden McNabb, two and a half, but that may be a tougher contract to move. Alec Martinez paid $4 million because he scored the game winner in the cup final. The LA Kings had a lot of dumb contracts, too. Here's the difference between LA and Vegas. Vegas is good now. LA is not because LA is suffering from all those bad contracts. So how long, Alex, before you have to start giving away tickets in casinos in Vegas? If they don't figure it out, 
if Kelly McCrimmon doesn't make a move to get under the cap and try to find actual players that can play for cheap, they'll be doing that in about three years. Seattle is going to look like the better expansion team because they'll actually develop and actually become good and not overpay players unless they take on bad contracts. But that's neither here nor there. He signed that, by the way, in December of 2014 as an extension did, uh, did Alec Martinez. So, yes. You for know the, what they're going to do? What? They're going to do if you buy a ticket to a Raiders game, you may get a ch- you get entered in a lottery to go to an NHL game. That's how bad it is. No, That's I think no, I know it would be actually if, no, 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 it'd, it'd be, be a buy contrary. ticket. It'd be a buy ticket to a Knights game, and you may have a chance to go get tickets to a Raiders game. No, it'd be the, no, it'd be for LA. If you buy a LA Rams ticket, then then you get no. A, you go to a Kings game, then you get a chance for Rams. I'd rather go to a Rams game right now. You see that stadium? That no, I'm cool. saying you'd get a Kings ticket for free because nobody's paying to go to those games. Oh, that's true. Okay. I'll give you that. You know, the only guy who's paying to go to those games is Burt Kreischer and Snoop Dogg, and they get him for free. But see, they're not paying squat. They're paying in time. Snoop Dogg in appearances. They're paying them. They're getting paid. Andre, like, hey, Andre, I know you're getting like $10 million right now, but if you could just give us some of that so we can pay Snoop Dogg to make an appearance. We like to have a sellout this Friday night. Yeah, if you could do that, thanks. Because we got all the, I mean, heck, the Lakers are champions now. But then again, they probably won't have fans this year, anyways, because it's all LeBron different. James. LeBron James. Oh, yeah, the Lakers won the championship, by the way. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? So, I, but yeah, Petrangelo, the contract sucks. There's, I, it's worse than the Markstrom contract. And I say that in the nicest way possible because I think Markstrom can do some stuff in Calgary. I think he can solidify the goaltending position there sure. for a couple of years. Petrangelo. Like they tried to do with Mike Smith. He looked, oh, he was, okay. The Flames team around him played bad in that series against Colorado. You cannot tell me any different. I'm just saying. You cannot tell me any different. And the same thing with Cam Talbot. Mike Vernon wannabe. Okay, the mask was cool. Stop it. No, it was not. It was was cool. It was cool. It was ugly. It was cool. I'm not letting you tell me any different. It was cool. I, but yeah, no, the, it is, it is the dumbest contract that's been signed this year. But they're like, oh, he was worth that kind of money though. Yes, but for that long? For a team that's already in a cap crunch in Vegas, and they've already come out and said, Kelly McCrimmon, they've already come out and said, that's our tandem, Flurry and Leonard. $12 million, $12.5 million, excuse me, right? Might say it, right? $12.5? Nope, just $12. $12 million for at least the next two seasons. Almost tied for the same amount of money that uh, Flora's paying. Almost tied. Well, Bobrovsky has for 10 Well, Oh yes, because because he's got ten by himself, and then they've got uh, their other that other goaltender. You're gonna tell me in five Chris, seconds. Chris, uh, Dre- Dreger, 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 Granger. May making only eight hundred fifty, so technically less. So they're almost tied. Oh, they're still paying Scott Darling. Oh right, because they took on that contract yes. from Carolina when they yes. when they traded for Vincent Trocheck. Yes, Trocek. yes. Remember when yes. they were? Remember when they were sellers oh, last year? Florida should be good, man. I look at this team like they they're should. not. They, I mean, they got Radko Gudis, Mackenzie Wiegers and RFA. They can take care of that. They got Huberdo, Barkov still, Patrick Hornquist they acquired. Brett Connolly is a little older, but Frank Vetrano still got some good giddy up. They signed Winberg for a year. Noel Achari can be something. And yes, you have Sergei Bobrovsky through 2026, but I think he can have a better year. I like Florida. But very dumb contract signed by the Knights, but it seems like that's the trend now because guess what they do in Vegas, Alex? They roll are looking for sevens. Roll it on the crabs table. They're going for it. They're going. Still a crappy alternate they're, jersey. Hey, four, four minutes gold, left on the show here, Ty. 
the gold sweater. Hey, I you know what, Alex? I, I don't say, like it. I will I say like this. Can we just be happy that that was not going to be their original sweater? True. Because there was a there, you and I both agree that it was. I gonna, know, I when know. we talked, we saw that sweater. I'm like, oh, that's what and I said it on the show. That's what we thought it was going to be at first. That is true. Four minutes left here on the show. Quick thing before we finish thing up, this thing up. Name your favorite player that didn't get enough love from your team's fan base. Tyler, you represent the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, hold on. Are you, who are you going to represent? You represent Carolina? I will represent the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. That did not get enough love from the fan base. You mean, okay, now hold on. Let's let's say... Because I'm not going to say Jake Gardner because I Frick. gave it to Jake Gardner as well. I could say Jake Gardner on the face of the question. Where did, was your, that from, Alex? Where's that from? Hockey feed. On Facebook. Okay. Name your favorite player that you didn't that didn't get a love, enough love from your team's fan base. Enough love because they hated so, him? Or just enough love because, like, enough under, love. underappreciated. Like, sure. K. Nest be a favorite of yours, so you can't have been. Well, Nazem Kadri, well, the first couple of years I was a Leafs fan, Nazem Kadri for sure. But then again, I think that was management's problem. I, man, I Clark MacArthur had so much more potential before they got rid of him. I, I'm just going back to the early 2010s because I don't think there's a single player that that's an extreme with every player on this team now with the Leafs. Now it's either you what love them or you hate them. There's no oh well this guy. I mean maybe Connor Brown. Connor Brown. Connor Brown, and I, that's why I was bummed to see him leave because I knew he had so much more potential, but I just knew it was not going to fit. Lupul. But Lupul was a big time player. That's why the buyout was such a. Or, them having to buy him out and keeping him on LTIR was such a big deal because he was a guy that put up big numbers for a couple of years and they gave him that money and then his back decided to go. But we got, uh, let's, I'll, you know what? I'll go with, I'll go with Connor Brown. That'll be my final answer because we got to get going here before talking minors. Con- Connor Brown. I'm going to go downtown Connor, Connor Brown. Brown. Detroit Red Wings, Alex. Detroit Red Wings, I would have to say Jordan Tutu. Well, they, he came in when they were bad, though. That's the problem. I'm trying to appreciate it. I'd he did say. a lot for that team. He did a lot for the Griffins, I would say. Not for the Wings. He did a lot for the Wings. He may have. Yeah. I would say I would say two two. Just because I could think of him off the top of the head and we only got two minutes left. Send him home, Alex. Coming up next here on Twelve Ounce Sports, talking minors with the Rando. He's gonna be talking about the Fed, the Federal Prospects Hockey League. The Tennessee Titans and the Atlanta Braves. Yes, why do they make them so sad? I don't know why the Braves make you sad. We're Leafs fans. We don't get sad here. <sighs> of course you do. Shut up. Well, I'm just trying to say I don't get it. But we we will see you next Monday. Hashtag TKS. Hashtag TKS at the Keel Show on Twitter and Facebook. Make sure to get involved in the conversation so we can answer your questions and talk to you about what you gotta say. Or Tyler. I am Alex Keel. We will see you next time. Goodbye! Everybody. Bye, everybody. Jazz hands. Jazz hands? Okay. We should probably take it. Goodbye. Stop the stream.